Hi, and welcome back to Coco Disaster, uh, the world's sweetest anime podcast. I'm Torpsoy. And I'm Jordan. And we're here to tell you about the summer of anime. Yep. We watched it. We watched it. It's over. It's, it is over, and you, you, can, you can tell because it's getting cold. I have a blanket around me right now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Is it getting that cold over there? It is, and I don't want to turn the heating on because that's expensive. Yeah, I get that. I've just been turning on the AC less where I am. Yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> it's still hell here. <laughs> but it's anime time, so we're all cozied up and we're ready to tell you about what we thought about the summer. Yep. And boy, do we have some thoughts. Some good. Some not as good. I mean, they're all good thoughts, but they're of mixed yeah. opinion. Right. Okay. That's fair. But first, before we do that, there's some news to talk about. Always. Always. It just keeps coming with the news. When's yeah, the news going to stop? Why can't they take a break? Jeez. Right? First up, uh, the author of uh, Nichijo, uh, Keichi Awar- uh, Arawi. Man, that, that sounds that right. One, that one swaps the letters that I'd expect it <laughs> But, uh, is releasing a new manga series. It Actually, by the time we've recorded, it'll be out, because it's September 29th. Whoa. And it's... I mean, it seems kind of like Nichijo, but from the perspective of, say, a, a college student. Uh, a poor college student. It did sound a lot like Nichijo. Yeah, yeah, it's like, here's a town of bizarre people, and here's the girl who you see it through. And, I mean, that's fine. I think yeah. Nichijo has always done, like, new ways of making the mundane weird, I think, uh-huh. well. Like, it never feels too much like it's just treading the same ground. Right. So I feel like this might be good, especially if it expands outside of school, which is a lot of what Nichijo was and does, like, daily life stuff. More proper daily life stuff. I think Nichijo had some daily life stuff, too, though. Yeah, but I think a lot of it just takes place in school. So yeah. something that branches out maybe a bit more than that would be enough to make it still feel fresh and exciting. Maybe so. And maybe this will finally get the people in the U.S. together to figure out who owns the rights to the freaking anime. Or maybe it'll finally get Kiwani to make season two. Yeah, maybe. So they can make their first good thing in five years. Goddamn. Or but more the- like ten. But, like, the big issue is that, uh, like, Nichijo lost- Crunchyroll lost rights to stream it. Right. Because someone was gonna release it. And then they just never released it. Yep. And so the rights are just in limbo, and no one has- <laughs> There's no way to watch it. Why? Why? Nichijo deserves better. Why? Yeah, exactly. That's what I hear. <sighs> I've never seen it. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. That guy suplexes a deer? I mean, that's that. That's the episode that everyone always mentions, and that, I don't know. I've seen the clip, and it didn't seem that funny. Well, that's because the rest of it's much better. I like the episode with the gun. Yep, that's pretty good. There are yeah. a lot of guns. There are. I mean, just in the world. Someone protect these children. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other things. Uh, Steam has started, uh, or I guess Sentai Filmworks has started putting their movies on Steam. Right. Which, this is not the first time a bunch of anime stuff has ended up on there. Like, a lot of Naruto stuff ended up on there for a while, and other mm-hmm. things, just TV shows being put on. And now Sentai's apparently really getting into it. Like, there's a bunch of the Makoto Shinkai stuff that they have. Um, I think the Fate Stay Night movie is there. 
the Kaon one, like all kinds of stuff is hitting there. And I guess this is just setting a preference for Steam being an all-encompassing uh, all sort of thing. Which, I mean, buying digitally is cheaper than buying the Blu-rays anyways, so this is a nice, like, money-sensitive alternative if you want to really watch these movies. Steam is really weird with, like, movies and stuff because all the movies and TV shows they have on there is, like, for the most part, it's low-rent garbage. Like, all of the WWE original movies are on there. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Like, the slasher movie starring Kane. Bo both of them, they're both on there. <laughs> yeah. And then it's this. Yep. Weird. Sorry, I'm at the slasher movie starring K-On. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, other announcements, One Punch Man's getting a second season. Yep. Which, that seems pretty cool. That does seem pretty cool. Although, I don't know how they're going to handle that, because uh, there is no way they have enough, like, Murata stuff yet to fill another whole season. Well, they... Did they announce when next year they're going to get it? They might be waiting until they get just enough material. I think it was... Uh, I could be wrong on this, but I could have sworn it was going to be the spring season. And even then, he probably won't be far enough yet, because the next arc, like, after the last arc the anime concluded, isn't the even done yet. One? Yeah. Oh, weird. Huh, that's... Okay, that is kind of weird. Yeah, there's just not that much stuff left. Because I assume they're going to still stick with the Murata stuff. They're... At this point, they can't do, they can't go back to the one style like Bones did. That Maybe the first five episodes will be done by Madhouse, and then the rest will be done by <laughs> Bones in the Mob Psycho 100 style. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, and also there, it's getting a smartphone game out, but we'll never see that, so I mean. No. Also, it's probably like an endless runner where you just punch people to death. I don't know what else it could be, honestly. Uh, I mean, it could be, like, a, a rhythm game or a gotcha thing. Oh, yeah, or a match three. It'll be a gotcha, but instead of it being, like, microtransactions, you have to put in, like, all the money has to get funneled out of your bank account in one transaction. Mm -hmm. One ticket punch man. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, he's finally working. <laughs> uh, let's see, just other announcements. Uh, season two of Voltron, which I... I hear really good things about the first season. Yeah, I've heard it. It's very good. Yeah, I heard great things about Voltron, which is almost kind of surprising. I feel like a lot of the throwback stuff like this is the sort of thing that kind of gets a middling response. Yeah, but apparently but it's a real I, I've heard of love. nothing but good things about Voltron. Yeah. And so they, they have a second season announced. I believe it's supposed to premiere still this year. Okay. And still stream exclusively on Netflix. Hmm. That's actually a quick turnaround, I'm think if I think about it. Because this season came out, like, June? Yes, I think it was the spring season, quote-unquote. That's not how it works for, like, Western animation, but right. around that but, time, huh. yeah. Huh, that's weird, then, because I wonder if that means that they already had this planned, or... They must have. <laughs> they, like, they, they must have put have. it into production, like, pretty early into the first season. yeah. I guess if the immediate response was great, then I guess they could just go, oh, yeah, totally, we, we can do a second season. Yeah. Because by the time it releases, they'll have had, like, you know, six months, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viz's Shonen Jump is offering the Ruby manga in English now. Oh. I think only the digital version, though. Is it the manga? I thought it was, like, a book. I thought it was a novel. No, it's the Ruby one's a manga. Okay. And it's a 
prequel based on those old trailers that Rooster Teeth did. Right. This is I I put this here because it's a weird thing where it's like it was originally English anyways. Then it went over to Japan and became a surprise like hit. Not like a hugely popular but still a hit. Mhm. To get its own Japanese exclusive thing that now comes back to English. Like that Ru- just feels weird. That does feel weird. Ruby is like so weird because it was it was this pet project for a guy that that he was super passionate about, but despite that, it was like the lamest anime tropey garbage ever. It is extremely, uh, yeah, tropey. But now that original author is dead, and his protege is out of the company, and now it's even more of like a soulless corporate project than it already was, and it's just oh, really real? sad. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really surprising about it is that they have the most all-star cast working for the Japanese dub of Ruby. Yeah, and, like, the English dub is just people who work at Rooster Teeth. Yeah, right? Like, it's like someone just made... It's like someone in America just made something in their basement, and just because they have a Rooster Teeth to back them up, it became huge and super popular, and everything else that comes out of it seems better than what the original project could ever have been. Yeah. Just even just given this casting in Japanese is ridiculous. It is really wild. I don't know, I Ugh. think the original VAs did an okay job. That's like the least of my complaints when it comes to Ruby. It's still a weird thing to be like, oh, you know, who plays the main character? Oh, you know, it's this person who's just been in everything. Yeah. You know, the main you know, the main character of Anohana and you know, Gantz and all these other things just on this list is ridiculous. Where can I get the original Japanese Ruby dub? Sub? I don't want this dubbed garbage. You know, I bet there are people who think that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't me. look it for it, though, because it will make me sad. <laughs> um. Oh, the so Cannon Busters was one of those anime projects that made it to Kickstarter. Okay. And the person behind it, uh, LaShawn Thomas, is collaborating with Crunchyroll... As oh, that's who main, he is. Yeah. As their main, like, um, I guess, uh, money provider, producer, yeah. I can't think of the word, uh, to make a new project called, uh, Children of Ether. Mm-hmm. Which there hasn't been a lot announced about, but, um, the person who was the character designer for Michiko and Hachin, and yeah. people, someone who worked on Deno Coil are both involved in the project as well. Which already, that just makes it seem like it's huge. That's pretty major, yeah. You know? That's pretty major. Especially since Cannon Busters, I feel like, barely did well enough to get its Kickstarter goal. Uh, I don't know about that. It could I thought, be. I, I thought it barely scraped by and getting I'll tell you money. that it didn't make a big splash, because if it did, I would know about it. So I guess... Yeah, yeah. but but then it's just like, wow, you know, the, the guy's work. Because he, I think that guy has been working in anime in general. Mm-hmm. Is now, you know, he's now big enough that he's getting this backing to do something much bigger. It's cool. Yeah. It's it's cool to see these sort of, like, smaller name people getting, you know, backing to make their, like, pet projects and stuff. Because that that opens the door in a way. It's cool. It does. Was, was Cannon Busters any good? Uh, I don't know if it even has released yet, honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't think um, so either. But, I mean, if he's working on a new thing, you'd figured... It's at least close. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it made like it its goal was like 120,000 and made like 160. So not okay. super high. 
And it looks like it did release earlier this year. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so yeah, these moved on to a new project. I mean, it, it was kind of cool. It's, it's, it's sort of the, like, vaguely, um, samurai shampoo style, like, hip hop fusion kind of thing with fantasy. All right. Which is neat. I can dig That's the thing yeah. that isn't very explored, and it's it, it offers a lot of different things going for it. And so it looks like this new project, Children of Ether, is kind of going to be the similar, in a way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It, not a lot has been announced, but it's cool. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Just to see so, this sort of stuff come together. I'm glad that Crunchyroll is putting their profits towards, you know, cool creating more good original content. Yeah. And speaking of good original content, Another Kickstarter for anime has popped up, which I showed you. Yes. Uh, Mecha-Ood. It's Mecha-Ood. Mecha-Ood? Yeah. Sorry. Mecha-Ood is how you should search for it, because that'll tell you how to find it. But it seems really cool. It's it's uh, it's another original anime project on Kickstarter, uh-huh. and it's about kids who end up with giant mechanical arm buddies, basically, and yeah. fight. And that that seems pretty neat. Like, the art style is good. It looked, like, from just the uh, the promo stuff that they had, it looks like it animates really well. It, it's yeah, a very this, dynamic style. All the early stuff looks really good. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, all the stuff that they have to show on the Kickstarter itself is just made by the one person. Mm-hmm. The, the main director and, like, animator and stuff has done their own projects. And also, I think, has worked on a couple other things that... The staff is not nearly as big as a lot of these other, like, anime pet project sort of things are. Right. But there's some pretty big things in there. People who've directed, like, opening movies for anime games and done music for big series kind of thing. Yeah. It should be neat. And then, well, this, this uh, like, the person, the director, so to speak, I guess, has also worked in anime, but not that much yet. Like, I think maybe she has, like, three projects under her belt and then a student animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I hope it makes his goal so that, you know, she can, she can get her name out there because it looks really good. Yeah. If you want to look for that, it's M-E-C-H-A-U-D-E. Yep. And it's, yeah, check it out. It's it's pretty cool. There's a lot of really neat animation stuff happening. Yeah. There's a really great progress uh, <laughs> progress picture on there where it shows the same animation of the dude punching at the screen. Oh, yeah. That's, really, that's the, a really cool part. all the different stages. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the sketches to the outlines, to everything. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. You can also go to YouTube, uh, and you can type in uh, 11 colon 08 as an 8 past 11, and that will give you her student animation. Right, which is a little rough, because it's a one-person thing, but it's yeah. still, it still shows a lot of promise for what it is. Yeah, and it's pretty cute. I liked it. Alright, a couple things real quick. Uh, Death Note manga is getting a new re-release. Okay. But as a single book. That doesn't sound good. I'm that looking at my like shelf right really now, and that's, that would be really big. It, and the worst thing about that is it also includes a previously unpublished, like, side story that ran in Weekly Shonen Jump for the release of the third movie. Okay. So there's even more. I think they say it's, like, eight centimeters thick. What? Yeah. Eight centimeters thick, three like, inches. Like just the, just just the, whole the thing? spine. Okay, that that doesn't sound right. Is it really tall? It's the size of a manga. Okay, because I'll tell you what, Death Note in total is more than eight centimeters thick. 
Huh. It's more like... Is that the new Makoto Shinkai film? Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, but it's gotta be at least, like, a, a like... All of, like, the, just the 12 volumes together has gotta be, like, more than a foot long. That's what's this... That's what this uh, news article is purporting, but it looks like it's, like, a foot tall. <laughs> okay. Well, then that might... Unless it's, like, a mini-print version. That could be. That could Either be. way, it's, it's 2,400 pages of Death Note in a single book. Wow. Which sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah. Like, there can't be a comfortable way to read that no matter the size. I wouldn't want to read Death Note in one go. Maybe they just cut out the entire near part because it's bad anyway. Oh, maybe. <laughs> they, they did what everyone, like, has rumors about where they just cut off the second half of the story. Yeah. Was there any, is there any, like, uh, truth to those rumors? What? Do you know? That, like, one of the duo or the entire duo wanted to cut it off ha- halfway through the story, and then someone said, no, you gotta keep going, and they made the second half, which everyone hates? Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. But that could be. What I do know is that, like, the last, I don't know, 20 or so chapters are, like, really, really stretched because they wanted to get to, like, 112 chapters, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Is that symbolic? Okay. Man, Death Note gets real bad real fast, and it's a shame, because the first half is so good. Uh, they're making a live-action Haruchika film, but the, the, the problem I have with it is that they point out that they're not gonna have anything about the, the love triangle with the teacher that actually, like, fuels any of the things that Haruta and Chika do. And they're also removing the mysteries? What? The synopsis just removes the whole, like, mystery part of the story. So what are they going to do? Are they just going to, like, sit <laughs> around and do music and, and be around. annoyed with each other? Yeah, I don't know. It says it's focusing on the relationship of Haruta and Chika. I don't know. Not all, not all the episodes were focused around mysteries, so it could be that but, they're... But, like, you're just dropping all of the mystery part. Yeah. That was still, like, a decent part of it, because, like, it is. recruiting the students was also part of a puzzle, like... I mean, the the theater one wasn't, so maybe it's just that part. Maybe. And the last thing is that they are planning to make a live-action uh, Diamond is Unbreakable movie. Oh yeah, I heard about that. And actually multiple movies, because one movie is not enough to fill in the entire thing. They, they said that they do want to do the entire storyline at some point, but that'll just be multiple movies. I think of all the JoJo's... Diamond is Unbreakable is the worst one to turn into a movie, because it's so episodic. That seems really weird to do. Yeah. Because, like, there there isn't a good point where you could take two hours of content and cut it and have it be, be like, a conclusive in any way, or suspenseful for the next one. No. Because, like, it takes until, like, halfway through even just to get to Kira. Right. Like, if they did this with, like, part one, part one's short and you could do a movie out of. Mm-hmm. I think you could make part two into two movies. Yeah, like, I part four just seems like the weirdest one to pick. Yeah. Because it is, the, it is probably the one with the least plot to it. I don't know about that, but... Or it, the least it, overarching plot. Okay, yes. Yeah, that for sure. Because, like, you certainly can't tell the entire story of, like, even Red Hot Chili Pepper in two hours. That's not happening. No. So, like, where do you stop it? Where do you start it? Like... You're going to make, like, a hundred movies, my dude. It's just a two-hour movie about the rat episode. <laughs> ah, cool. Because, like, even just condensing it down to the Kira story seems really bad, because then you don't get any of the cool character stuff. 
or like the interesting character stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The entire movie that's just let's eat Italian food. Uh, I guess what you could do is you could cut, uh, sort of like cut the character development out of the first couple of stories and then try to like jam that into the Rohan plot and make that one movie. And then after that, do the Kira. So Rohan, Kira, Kira 2. Yeah. Okay, maybe. It, it would be weird, and I'm interested to see where it goes with that, but that just seems kind of... That just seems like a weird choice. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes, though. Yeah, for sure. Because there's something about live-action adaptations of high-concept manga that I really love. Like, I love the live-action Gantz movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Alright, so, in light of this news, I think we should play a game. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to come up with an impossible scenario. So JoJo's becomes really big in America, and Hollywood decides to pick up part one for a Hollywood adaptation. Okay. Who do we... Ca- because they're, because it's all um, English characters, we don't have to worry about um, bringing in Japanese uh, actors and actresses for this. Right, right. So... Which big name Hollywood actors do we get to play each of these characters? Brian Cranston as Zapelli. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's huh. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that might work. And then let's see. Just give him the silly mustache, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like th- there's going to be an issue of not having beefy enough people to play like post time skip. Like Jonathan and Dio? But I think we can ignore that for just who, who do we think would be good characters for them? Or good actors for the characters of, like, Jonathan and Dio? Uh, you know who I think would just make a fantastic Dio in light of yeah. re- recent blockbuster movie events? Uh-huh. Jared Leto. Oh my fuck. I want him to play Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I feel like that's the better role for him. No, it would be great. He could have mm-hmm. uh he could have damaged tattooed on his <laughs> on his pecs. vampire tattoo. <laughs> 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 uh. He can complain that his uh his time on the big screen was cut short. Uh, you know, I changed my mind. You know who should play Zapelli? Who? Uh Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh my fucking god. I mean, Doctor Strange and Zapelli are basically the same character already. I think it would be great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do we regas Brian Cranston, then? Um, yeah, Brian Cranston can be one of the zombies, I guess, and he can do his old Power Rangers villain voice. Like, one of the zombies, like, the ones they fight that come back to life and have, like, the big swords? Like, those Yeah, the, l- the luck and pluck guys. Okay. I could dig that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Speedwagon, speaking of, uh, Benedict, the reason I got to Benedict Cumberbatch is because I was thinking of this first. Uh, Speedwagon should play the guy who plays Watson in the, uh, in the Sherlock Holmes web series. In the new Sherlock? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't remember what he's called. That. He's also in The Hobbit as the main Hobbit. Uh, Bilbo? No, not Bilbo. Wait, Bilbo? Yes. yes. Yeah, Bilbo, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I could... I could kind of see that. Okay. I think I think he does a great like hapless support character. Mm-hmm. So that that would be fun, I think. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to make his hair a little crazier. 
with yeah. a top hat. Part one doesn't have a lot of important characters, does it? No, it really doesn't. Like it, it, so there's like Jonathan, there's Dio. I guess you can technically count Jonathan's dad. Yeah. There's Speedwagon. Speedwagon's there. There's the Chinese doctor. There's the girlfriend, I guess. Yep, there's Arena. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is, of course, as Arena. Right. Give her another bad wig. Mm-hmm. I guess Jack the Ripper. Those two guys... Well, no, they could even cut the two fights after they get the Sunlight Yellow Overdrive. Yeah. They'll probably have to, to make it into one movie. Yeah, there's not much... Um, wait, we, is the... Jonathan's the only person... Is the only person we haven't cast yet. Yeah. The, wait, the Chinese doctor is the one that takes Dio's head and they kill on the boat, right? I don't know. I don't remember That's not a separate character? All. I don't think so. Okay, I'm pretty sure... Okay, then, yeah, I think the main main character we're still missing is Jonathan Joestar. Yeah. And who is just, like, a hapless hero? Like, someone who's just, like, full of confidence in everyone and wants the best for everyone. I think there's only one person who's right uh, for the role of Jonathan jo- Joestar, although they'll probably have to CG him, like, five foot taller. Uh, uh-huh. It should be Michael Sarah. <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> I think we've established a really good en- ensemble cast for the... <laughs> Phantom Blood adaptation. <laughs> give us money, Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't get much better than this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. See, this, this is the reason movies are in big trouble right now, is because good ideas like this aren't given chances to roost. I'm glad we played this game. Me too. <sighs> but now it's time. It's no games, just facts. Yep. Because it's facts about the summer anime. Just facts, no opinions. Exactly. And first up in our list of facts as we tell you about how we feel about the summer season is, in fact, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamond is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time... I don't know why they, why they cast Ryan Gosling as Josuke. <laughs> Fuck! I think it just doesn't, he just doesn't... Do, he doesn't do the role justice, in my opinion. I feel no, like every time we come here, I'm like, oh, next time is when we're really going to have lots to talk about with <laughs> Diamond is Unbreakable. And I feel like every time it's like, I just can't think of anything because both of us have wa- have already read it. Yes. And it's just harder to think of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. But what's happened since the last time we recorded? Uh, Kira showed up. Kira, yeah, Kira's introduction, which I think was really good. Yeah. I think Kira as a character was done really well. I think so, too. Killer Queen looks a little goofy sometimes. Yeah, and he is just not a character that's fit for TV, I think, because his gimmick makes him so gore-heavy. Yeah, that's a little that's a little weird about that. Yeah, they actually still managed to squeeze a lot through the sensors, like the, uh, the, uh, Shigetsi, Shigetsi, what, what, that Shige- guy? Shigechi. Shigechi. Yeah. Uh, his, like, him exploding... I, I'm surprised they got to show le- all of that. Well, they didn't show, like, the aftermath, but yeah. No, but yeah, it's... the explosion itself was, was brutal. Yeah, it was. But yeah, so uh, Kira showed up, he had his hand girlfriend. Yep. And accidentally swapped bags with Shigechi for his sandwich. <laughs> that's, you know what? Honestly, that's maybe one of my favorite plot devices. It's just I love like, it too, um, because... He you... stuck his sandwich bag. I love it too because you can just imagine like the screen fading to black and then the Frasier theme playing afterwards for the commercial break. Or 
like any of those like kind of sitcom-y sort of titles. Yeah. But I don't know, like that kinda uh, like that kind of confusion is just such a Fraser move. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. The only thing I remember of Fraser is that episode where uh, the grandpa accidentally eats a pot brownie. They should definitely get him to play uh, <laughs> uh, to play old Joseph in part four. Oh, that's good. I like it. Yeah, that's good. I bet he's probably dead. Oh, I'd like to believe. So that was. I think that was pretty good as an introduction to Kira because it is. It's just a really good way to introduce the main villain. Yeah. Because there have sort of been hints of him beforehand, but now it's like, you know. Very clearly, this is the murderer that we've been, you know, that has been talked about. Right. And he's collecting these hands because he's a weirdo. <laughs> he takes a lot of care to take care of those hands, though. He does, yeah. If nothing I mean, else, he is a generous lover. That is his one good character trait. Yeah. Then we had the fight with heart attack. Yeah. Which, uh, let's see, the Echoes Act 3 shows up and is, uh, <laughs> is real fucking rude to Koichi. It reminds me of, um, uh, it reminds me of the magic buddy of the banana hair kid from Future Car Buddy Fight. Oh, um, yeah, Asmodeus. Very similar attitude, but even more emphasis on the tude, I guess. Yeah, definitely more on the, like, kind of, like, rotten teenager sort of vibe. Yeah. He's like a combination of banana hair guy himself and his stand. Yeah. It's it it is a little charming though because it is maybe one of the only times that someone actually gets to interact with their stand in like normal language. Yeah. Which that's charming. One of the few times, yeah. Heart attack is a goofy fight but I think shows kind of how dangerous Kira can be. Yeah. Since he's got that tank that is just impossible to, you know, defeat. Mhm. And there's a lot of cool stuff that goes along with that. Uh Jotaro almost dies. And then we get to see Kira do the the face change with Cinderella. Yeah. And boy howdy, is Kira really like just making this family work. Like he 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 forces his way into a broken family and kills the husband and suddenly he just becomes the best husband in the world. Bless God him. bless him. He's you know what? He's helping he's saving marriages. I haven't watched that far yet. Ever, uh, full disclosure, me and Chorps and, and a third person normally watch JoJo's together, but we, we had to stop. Fell behind. Yeah, we had to stop for a couple of weeks, and uh, I was I did not feel compelled to keep watching because you know I don't like Power Four that much. Then there's the then there's Heartfather, uh, Adam Heartfather, the, that one. Yeah, where they have to fight Kira's dad, and I just that fight's weird. It I'm is not weird. like super into that one because yeah. also like. The the extent of his power is like kind of poorly explained. And what 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 purpose does it even really serve to the story? It's to get the arrow out so that they can make more stand users in order to protect Kira. I guess so, yeah. But they could have done that in like a more efficient way. Like I don't think it really um I don't think it really adds anything to the story overall. Yeah, and like again, the the power is just weird in a way that like Things happen, and I don't know exactly why. Like, it's just kind of one of those Iraqi things where it's like, uh, maybe it's a little too high concept. Yeah. I bet he understands. It's like, I get that it's like, oh, you take the picture and the room is, but when they took the picture of nothing, suddenly he can, like, escape from the picture, and, like, <laughs> he latches onto a bird and stuff. Like, it's weird. Uh. And then we get uh, one of Rohan's standout episodes. 
Uh, the one where he bullies a child because he wants to play rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. What a guy. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, that child sucks and deserved at least to be uh, taught a lesson. Yeah, but I mean, Rohan sucks too. Yeah. But then he, yeah, because he steals a baby to beat a child at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> like. I don't know, that's his strategy. That's, that's a charming thing about Rohan, though. I don't know. It's how much he sucks, yeah. Yeah, no, sure. there's, there's something to the depths of Rohan that I just feel like there's a charm to it. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I think they, they just started um, Highway Star by the time we're recording this. Okay. And that one is also pretty Rohan-heavy, if I remember. Is that the right one? Am I thinking of the right stand? I think so, yeah. But they're getting to um, they're getting to some of Rohan's other like standout points, and I think like he is a character that is utilized just enough that his like douchebaggery isn't like super overstated. Yeah, I completely agree with that because he's n- he's not he's not constantly there, and a lot of the times he is, it's just like a one off like oh you know he's he's just there, and Josuke just waves him and goes, "Man, I hate that guy," and then leaves. Yeah. But this one, you know, like, he, he steals the invisible baby and uses it to beat a kid at rock, paper, scissors, because the kid's gonna steal the stands of people. And yeah, then, uh, and then he, and then he loses the invisible baby and they have to find it. There's, there's something charming to his, like, selfishness that never gets too, uh, never gets too overstated. Oh, right! Uh, the thing that also happened is they, uh, burned down, uh, Rohan's house. That's, that's why I was thinking of... Highway Star being a thing. Uh, at some point, they have to burn down Rohan's house. Oh, yeah. What a great time. What a great time. And all his manga. That's, yeah, that's a very... Um, people have been making that joke, but it's a very, like, always sunny sort of thing. Part 4 is exceptionally sitcom in a lot of ways, and that's, yeah. I think, it, maybe one of its finest charms is even when, like, the big plot isn't happening, there's a lot of good stuff happening. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much of a break there was between Kira Part 1 and Kira Part 2, though, and maybe that's why I kept thinking, like, oh, there's going to be more to say, but there isn't, is because the plot part keeps disappearing. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, does. I don't know. JoJo's Part 4, I think, is still good. I think there's a lot to like about it. It's just sometimes hard to talk about, I think. That's all right. I don't want to keep belly aching about JoJo's, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. But it's like, all the other ones, it's like, there's always a central, like, story pushing things forward, and there isn't so much in this one, so it's a little... It can be a little uneven in terms of, like, how invested you get. Yeah. Yeah. That's JoJo's. That's JoJo's. It's still going. It exists. You know what else exists? Um, I do. I don't know all of it, but I know some things that exist. Well, let me tell you about one of them. Okay. Which is Macross Delta. Okay. That is one of the ones I knew of. Okay. Uh, Macross Delta, I think, has a similar issue to what we just talked about in JoJo's. Okay. Where the main plot keeps popping up, and then it disappears for them to do some slice-of-life sort of things. Isn't it a war story? Yes. Okay, that's weird, then. The war breaks up a lot. And Uh I think that's uh, a complaint that a lot of people had about Macross Delta. Mm -hmm. It is inconsistent in its tone. Like, a big war thing will happen, and then they'll have downtime for, like, three episodes before they get to the next big war thing. I guess it makes sense that it's kind of a cold war because they're in space. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm at, oh, you're right. And, like, one other issue is, like, at the end, like, it's one of those things where the stakes get impossibly large and in a way that you would have never expected. Oh, that's Like, a just bummer. based on the rest of the story, which is really unfortunate because it's like, 
if if there had been any lead up to it at all, maybe it would have made more sense because it still plays into the themes of like relationships and love within you know and music as a music as a, a weapon. But it's just like it just becomes impossibly large and in a way that was never adequately explained or given any sort of time for that. Yeah. So it it, it misses its mark on that end. Man, I'm glad I never watched this because that sort of thing really gets my goat. Yeah, it's and it's really unfortunate because I I do really like the characters and I like a lot of what it set up and sort of things it it has it talks about as in terms of like loyalty and where your uh you know where your allegiances lie in wartime and sort of what matters to the individual and whether or not it matches up with other people's kind of similar to you. I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff there, I think. Because a lot of it is about the difference between actions and intentions. Okay. Because it's it's like, you can look at this, you know, you can look at some of the things in this war and go, this is an objectively bad thing that happened because it's a bad war thing, like a, you know, a bomb dropping a sort of thing. A war crime. Yeah, a war crime. But the intentions behind it is like, this happened in order to prevent a larger war crime. Like, it was an active thing to try to minimize damages. Okay. And there's a little stuff like that and just, like, you know, what what it means to be, like, a soldier and what, you know, what that implies for you have to follow orders, what you do based on your conscience. There's some neat stuff going on there. It's just wrapped around a kind of inconsistent story. Uh, if I'm the one who edits the video, I'm going to totally undermine all the stuff you just said by just, like, slowly making all the merch they're trying to peddle for this show fade <laughs> onto the screen. <laughs> yeah, and all the CDs that they're selling for the fake idol group that they made up. The fake idol group that are murderers. <laughs> oh, well. None Can't of them everything. murder anyone. Not okay. a, none of oh, them murder Then it's okay. Then it's all yeah, right. Yeah, now it's... See, the idol industry's great. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> they don't murder people. <laughs> they don't murder people. I don't... Mm. That's, that's how I'm selling my new idol group. Idols, they're not murderers. I don't even know about that. I mean, the idols probably don't. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they they help... Uh, they, they help the people piloting the plane, so I guess they're they complicit. are... They're complicit. Yeah, they're complicit in the crimes. Ugh. <laughs> oh. No, I liked him across Delta. I think the music was really good. I think a lot of what it had to do was really good. It's just a really inconsistent story. But it it got me interested in seeing what the other ones are like. Okay. Because everyone else talks about, I feel like the other ones, or at least some of the other ones, like in much better terms. And if I could accept this one despite all its faults, I wonder if the other ones are like even better. Well, I think they're all pretty different. So I don't think liking this is necessarily yeah, going to mean you're going to like yeah, the Yeah, I don't rest. know. Because this is definitely the most like modern anime-esque. Yeah. Like, even Macross Frontier for being kind of, like, a a step into the future, as it were. It's like, that still has a very different tone to it. Yeah. And definitely the first one, because as far as I understand, the first one is a lot more serious. Like, yes. there isn't a lot of goofy stuff going on. But still, I want to try it out. This, this has made me interested, even though I'm not, like, a mecha dude, because it's not super mecha, honestly. Like, fighter jets aren't mecha. No, it's real mecha. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's no, real. Never mind. No, that's like a, that's a thing that I found out about. Uh, oh, what? real mecha means that it's, uh, like, it, it's based on, like, logic of laws of physics. Like, the way the robots operate sort of makes sense. And super mecha is like Power Rangers, basically. Oh. I, I found that hard that. to swallow because the way uh, Wikipedia described it to me is real mecha is like, it, it's that. It's like dictated by the laws of physics, as in Gundam. And, it, like, immediately I was like, what are you even talking about? 
But I guess Gundam keeps it real, all right. Yeah, for real. Like, I'm gonna fade horrors. in all the merch on screen again. <laughs> oh, so oh, so this is gonna just be a 30 minute part where you put every mecha kit that you can on the screen. Yeah. Oh, actually, speaking of, um, this was this was something I saw and is semi related. They're now making a manga series about anthropomorphized nippers. Like the things you use to cut the the nubs off of the pieces of the gunpla, out of their um, out of out of their like uh, the sheets. Yeah, yeah, okay. And man, does Japan want me to fuck everything? Uh, how do they do that? Because they're anthropomorphizing and making moe versions of nippers. Oh, okay. I thought. Right. That's not okay. I thought you meant they were like. Still, they would still look like nippers, but they're just like no. people. No, they're anime babes with like with like the ribbons in the shape of nippers. On okay, their head. man, I want to touch their nippers. <laughs> Gross. Cut, cut that out. <laughs> now leave it in. That's okay. I have no. No, let's talk left. about Ace Attorney real quick. Okay, tell me about Ace it. Ace Attorney has a lot of issues, and most of them are in production. Uh huh. It seemed like either they didn't have the money to sustain it, or they were always on a really close budget, or maybe they just didn't care. But while I think that it does some of the parts of the games really well by recontextualizing them so they're not nearly as, like, gamey, and it's not as much, like, running back and forth trying to find the perfect thing to say, because it it breezes through the story really well, uh-huh. is it's just a lot of problems in animation and stuff, and it's just, like, it is an acceptable adaptation, but nothing it ever does really justifies it in a way. Like, you probably are better off playing the games even if you just use a walkthrough through the whole thing. Okay. One charming thing, though, is that, like, they doubled down on the whole localization thing. Like, no what? matter what, like, they doubled down on the whole localization thing of, like, ramen is burgers. Oh, yeah. That is good. Like, like, they, they spent... There's a part where um, one of the characters is kidnapped, and she's just thinking about how much she wants to eat ramen. And she goes through, I think, um, like, miso ramen, um, shrimp tempura ramen, and something else. And it's like, oh, I could really use a fried shrimp burger. Oh, I could really use a miso burger right now. Like, <laughs> just double downing on just, like, a, a copy, you know, a find-replace sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you could you could pull all of those off, I think, if you yeah. really wanted to. No, those, those are those are re- realistic, but I think it was just a funny way of, like, doubling down on that. That is funny. And I'm glad Crunchyroll went through the effort. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, it is definitely, I think, best done as a supplement to the games, because it doesn't really hold out on its own, especially with animation quality, but there are, like, little bits and pieces and stuff that they do really well, especially in, like, making some of the longer cases more manageable. And I think it does, like, some of the voice acting and stuff really well. It's just, like, it's hard to recommend because it's so, I guess, bare bones in a way. Yeah, that's a real shame because all of the past uh Capcom anime adaptations are, were all really good, in my opinion. Like, I like the Devil May Cry one. It's really good. Mm-hmm. The Beautiful Joe one's really funny. The Gungrave anime is really good. And, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a shame, I think. I think one thing a lot of those did well is it's not, like... Maybe it's not nearly as faithful, but I feel like Ace Attorney, there's nothing you can do but be very faithful. You could tell the original source. story, I guess. 
And maybe that would have been better. And it did. It did do one original story that I thought was really good, which was like a flashback thing. Yeah, there you go. But they're just, the rest of it is just kind of, it's okay, but it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exceed any particular heights that you could set up for Ace Attorney. Yeah. It's less Devil May Cry and more uh, Bayonetta Bloody Fate. Oh, please do not, do not compare anything to Bayonetta Bloody Fate. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's bad. Now, I guess this wasn't bad, so... I'd right, say this enough. is extremely acceptable. Okay. Yeah, that is not <sighs> a word I would use to describe the Bayonetta movie. You're right. Yeah, please. Yeah, that's bad. Unlike... But now, let's talk about something I I thought was really good. Uh, yeah, I liked it too. Uh, Orange. It's Orange. Where do you want to start on this one? So, last time when we started, we were, what, halfway through? Uh, we ended it right before we found out that every person in the group of friends got a letter also. Right. Which I honestly really thought that was charming. That is a really good way to like carry on the story and like add a new layer to Especially it. Especially because the way that they all write to each other is different. Yeah. Like, you get this idea that they've very much written notes for the person they're sending it to. Mm-hmm. You know... So and so, you need to help Sua, or so and so, Naho needs help with this kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's very it's very cool in that way that they all have their own distinct sort of goals and what they're telling their past selves. Yeah. Even um, what is it, Hagita, who's you know kind of he he always feels like he's kind of clueless and sort of like you know acting like he doesn't care, uh-huh. but all of the things that he does are very like still important because it shows that he's still, like, a good dude despite his, like, weird, like, isolationist air that he tries to pull off. He pretends to be a shitty nerd, but actually he's really a good guy. Right. I don't know why that- I don't know why you pretend to be a shitty nerd. Like, at least pretend to be cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird- it's a weird (laughs) thing where it's like, I want to be, like, extra not cool. Yeah, I want to be extra (laughs) Like, when he gets gets mad that the one person, like, votes for him in, like, the, (laughs) the, like, best dude at the festival thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want him to get zero. (laughs) I hate this. You want to know what I hated? What? The the three episodes, like, right on the three-fourth mark that looked like total garbage. That was really unfortunate. The the sports festival stuff. Well, yeah. When I'm talking, when I'm talking like total garbage, I don't mean ah, oh, you know, the the visual quality took a step back. Now we're talking worst of shafts compilation bad. The the visuals got really bad. And we were talking genuinely like I couldn't watch it with a straight face. It was so bad. On anything but the close ups, you could tell that they were like. Probably struggling with the time, you know, with their time. Yeah, absolutely. Because as soon as the sports festival ended, it it wasn't like as good as the start, mm-hmm. but it was much better. Absolutely, yeah. They at a certain beyond a certain point, they picked it back up again. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate because I feel like the sports festival is supposed to be one of the most like punchy parts of the story too. Yeah, because it's it's a lot about sort of the first big change they're all trying to make to uh, Kakaru's life, mm-hmm. you know, with the sports puzzle stuff. And, and it's about sort of his relationship with his family and everyone else's family. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a weird part of the story looking back because they actually don't achieve anything during the sports festival saga, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they succeed in getting him to win. Which, you know, that's uh, important yeah. thing. He no he no longer has that extra added regret of like having failed 
his class. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't accomplish much past that. It was still a good bit, though, like all yeah. in all, even if it was a little bit pointless. I think what it did, what the near the end, what it did really well is the, it did that alternate timeline thing. Mm-hmm. Where it shows Kakeru in the original timeline and sort of the way that the things that they didn't change about the future would have caused him to get worse and worse. Yeah. Like meeting up with his friends and his friends all laugh off the idea that his like mom died and he's like doing really bad. Mm-hmm. Like that part was just like really, really sad. It was. And all the other things too, like, you know, the the mistake at the uh the fe- the winter festival or the New Year's festival. Mm-hmm. And just like little bits like that, just seeing him slowly, slowly like break more until he ends up uh driving his bike into that truck. All uh the impetus of which is from that uh that text message that his mom never sent. Yeah. That's like, hey, I'm I'm really sorry for, you know, kind of being so stubborn and stuff, but I've been trying to do all the best for you, and I did it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just crushing, I think, in a way. Because it it's like, is. that's totally relatable. Like, sometimes you, when you're trying to do your best for someone, it doesn't come off that way, and sometimes you just end up, like, kind of doing worse. Mm-hmm. And um, Naho has a bit of that as well, with the sort of, like, trying to change too much with the whole festival um, in the current timeline. Right, yeah. Like, there's some really... Uh, there's there's just some really crushing stuff about that. And it, that would, it, it did get, like, devastating at that part. It was really sad. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a lot darker, but I think that worked well for showing sort of how much of an influence these characters have ended up having on him. Yeah. And I think, even up to the end, I think it does a, a story of, like, it's not even so much of a romance, which I think was really cool. It's not about, oh, you find that one person who makes you happy. It's you have an entire support team and also like someone you like. But the important thing is that there are multiple people you can talk to. You don't have to confide in just one person. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's that, that was honestly the most surprising thing. Like when, uh, at the near the middle, it's like they're just happy being friends together as long as they get to hang out. Yeah. Like that's really charming. I'm glad they went, uh, they took it in that direction because otherwise the, um, underlying, I guess not the message, but the idea the series would try to convey is that, uh, Naho and by, like, more importantly, Sua would have to give up on their path of love for someone, for the sake of someone else. And that, that would be, a, that would be a bad message, I think. Yeah. Like, Sua still gives up in a way on yeah. his interest in Naho. And that is really sad, I think. I feel that bad for It him. is sad, but it's, you know, in a way, it's like, I understand that right now the important thing is that we try to get Kakaru happy. Yeah. And if that means, even if they don't end up, even if, um, even if Kakaru doesn't end up marrying Naho in the end, right now there's no kind of competition. There's no feeling of, you know, just grief that comes with it. Because mm-hmm. we don't know how the future is going to turn. We, we kind of do because they say a lot of it, but it's like, there's still that, there's still that air to it. Yeah. The only thing I thought was a little weird was the the ending, I guess. Like there's there was something about him still being devastated in the same way by the text message that I felt not that it was wrong, but when I saw it I expected a much more like he was start he would be more like coming to terms with sort of the the mistakes in his life and wouldn't be nearly as devastated. 
I don't know. Uh, I, I think it plays into the whole idea that the big difference between the first timeline and this timeline is that now he has people there who can support him, and the first time he didn't really. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm. I, it wasn't a problem for me. It was just one of those things that I sort of like. I was surprised that it still went in this direction. Yeah. But yeah, I liked it still because yeah, the important thing is he now has this support group. He now has people that you know care about him and want to do their best to take care of him. Yeah. Because the whole story is just about the 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 emotional grief and torture that comes with just like feeling like you're the thing the regrets that you have in life are just like all encompassing and have just ruined other people's lives because mm-hmm. he he feels so um he feels so responsible for the death of his mother even when realistically that's there are a lot of other factors that seem to be going into her you know her totally. decision on that yeah but he takes full responsibility and he sees all this other issues with how he ends up treating Naho when he gets, you know, like too, too deep into this sort of like self-defeating nature. Yeah. I'll tell you what I didn't like. Okay. Um, at the end, like around the end, I guess, uh, there was a series of plot revelations that all came one after another for basically no reason. And that really oh, the, got my the ex- explanation of how the, how the time travel works. Uh, no, not that. That's fine. Um, uh, no, my problem was that, um, we find out what Kakaru sent his mother, what the text message said. We find out, um, what his, the, what his mother sent him, uh, back. And we find out, uh, his thinking process at the festival all within the span, span of an episode and a half. And in a way that wasn't necessary because those revelations don't build into each other. Or not, they didn't at that time. And it, it, it felt really weird. Like, it felt like, it felt very forced, I think. It should have been, yeah. Like, it should have been spread out more, maybe. And I get that they were kind of, you know, they only had the 13 episodes and that's a lot of information to pack in. Yeah. But it's still, I don't really think we fast. need to find out how the letters work. I would have preferred if they'd kept that nebulous. Yeah, because I guess it is, re- I guess the problem is it's really out of place for the world. That, and I think they could have used that time better. Like I said, you know, uh, all these revelations that mm-hmm. are coming one after another. And I feel like the final act goes too fast. Uh, I think it gets uh, too heavy too fast. And time okay. could have been spent better than it was, maybe. But it was still good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I still really liked what it had to say and what the story was overall. Yeah. I also still stand by my statement that all the character that all the characters act really weird. Like, they all say... They're all, they're all a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I think it mostly comes down to how quick they are to smile and laugh about things that are not funny and, uh, how long it sometimes takes for them to respond to one another. That those are the two key weird things for me. You just feel like there's something a little off in how they interact with each other. Yeah. I still like their characters, but yeah, I get, I can see what you're coming with. Like, Mm -hmm. because it is a distinct cast of characters that all act different. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do still like the characters. I especially like um, the name escapes me. Like the the small girl, um, uh, Azusa. Yeah, I like her because she is a character type that doesn't appear a lot in anime in this form. Yeah, she's very charming. Yeah, she's just like she's very peppy and nice, but in a way that I think I can connect better to real people. 
Uh, like, she's definitely the kind of person who grows up to be a sassy aunt, I think. Yeah, because she still makes, like, jabs at people, even though she's always nice and trying to do the best for people. Yeah. Very teasing, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very cute sort of thing for her. Yeah. And that's it, that's my, that's my final thought, she grows up to be a sassy aunt. I can believe that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I really liked Orange. Me it was, too. It was good. Yeah. So, next up, uh, let me tell you about the ending, sort of, to uh, uh, Sweetness and Lightning. Oh, okay. I keep forgetting what this is based on the Japanese title. Yeah. Um, Sweetness and Lightning was charming. Very charming is, I think, the best way to describe it. Okay. It doesn't have a, a proper ending, as it were, because every... This is more or less like a rundown of all the... Um, all the just uh, all the chapters in the manga, and there's no uh-huh. real ending to them because it's just another day in the life of this single dad and his daughter and the student that helps them learn how to cook. Yeah, but it I don't think it really needed one because that's not the type of story it is. There didn't need to be a sense of finality. No, I mean, how how would you like even write a finale to this without making it feel artificial? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially in 12 episodes. Like, you can't just be like, oh, right. uh, she graduated, or uh, she moved. Like, there's no... And she became a five-star chef. Right. But, um, I think in the back half, it started um, breaking a little bit from just being sort of this story about a um, a father trying to connect with his daughter through cooking, mm-hmm. and started being about the the parent relationships and some of the troubles that show up because you are a single parent and you're trying to be, you know, you're trying to act as both, you know, you're trying to act as both parents, both roles. Yeah. Because there's a, like, there's an episode where all the all the moms at the kindergarten that um, Smoogie goes to are, like, buying new bags for their kids to show off at the, uh, at the kindergarten and... Uh-huh. Uh, the dad realizes that, oh, Smoogie has the same old one and it's got this huge stain on it, but Smoogie doesn't want to get rid of it because it's was made by her mom. It's one of the last things that, you know, she did before she died. And so it's this piece of importance and it becomes sort of this story as they go through. It's like he learns to make something that his mom always made in a new way. And it's about, okay. it's about sort of like, you don't have to be a replacement for the the parent that's missing, it's it's more of like you need to add your own spin to things in order to do what you can. So in the end, he just like adds like some patches to go over the stain and stuff as like a here's my own take on you know on what mom did, and I'm just adding to it. That's nice. And there are other things where it's like it's about how he gets frustrated sometimes with having this small child, and he admits that he's wrong. Sometimes, which is super important as, like, a parental thing. Like, you know, he gets really concerned about Smoogie and, like, yells at her and real and has to, you know, apologize and say, you did something wrong, but I didn't handle it correctly either. And that happens mm-hmm. in a couple episodes where, like, one, Smoogie um, is feeling bad for her dad because he's sick. And so she, like, leaves the house without him knowing because he's, oh, like, no. sleeping over the sickness and goes to... um and goes to his student's house, um, Katori, to, like, try to make some food to make him feel better. Uh-huh. And he gets really panicked and, like, 
kind of yells at her not to run away and stuff, and she starts crying because, you know, she thinks she's doing a good thing. And she is, in a sense. But it's about, she's trying. you can't run away, you need to tell me where you're going, you know, if you want to leave, you need to tell me, and I know that I did this wrong because I yelled at you and I didn't explain myself. And there are a couple other stories like that. It's just about sort of him learning to be a dad, and it's also about, you know, kind of his relationship with his daughter, and it just builds in this really nice way, I think. Okay. Also, I learned that I can only eat it, uh, I can only uh, watch this show while eating lunch. Because otherwise I'm going to get really hungry just, like, looking at the things. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, again, the food doesn't always look great, but it's like, oh, you know, they're making sweet potato crepes this time, and suddenly it's like, I could really use a crepe right now. Like, it makes me hungry just even thinking about the show sometimes. Uh (laughs) And it's like, ugh. But yeah, no, it's, it's a really charming show about parenthood and cooking. And, like, looking at the manga, it even has, like, the every chapter has a recipe at the end for how to make the thing that they did. Okay. So I might actually look into that and like figure out how to make some of these things. It's neat. It's really cool. I liked it a lot. Okay. And the next up is one we didn't talk about before. No. Because it was one that had already finished by the time we got to the mid-season review. And that's mm-hmm. Honobono Log. I didn't finish it. I'm sorry. That's fair. Um, I forgot. Honestly, if you watch the first few, it's, it doesn't change that much. I watched the first two. Hanabono Log is a series of shorts that's based on, like, a um, an illustration book of just uh, various couples, I guess. Yeah. And each of them is, like, a two-minute vignette on sort of the, the things they do in their lives. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really charming. It's not, like great because again with two minutes you don't have a lot of time to like tell a full story or anything but Mm -hmm. it's these very sweet little like mini stories about characters and how they interact with each other and the differences in different uh relationships yeah i don't know it was very cute i think it was cute uh i I was very um it was perhaps perhaps the realist definitely most textbook slice of life show I've ever seen because mm-hmm. it's just like these tiny little like real relationship moments and the nice thing too is like it's not always just like oh these two people are really sweet together you know like no s- sometimes they're like kind of jokingly antagonistic to each other because like one of them isn't paying enough attention to the other or, you know it's just them going to the aquarium and like talking about all the cool fish they see and just having a good time like there are some really just like charming moments to the whole thing yeah and like, and either, and even ones where it's like someone gets really sad because something bad happens at their job, so they come home and they're clearly like distraught, and the other one's just like, "It's okay, you can cry," and they hug, and you know, it's a, it's a big crying moment. Like, there's nothing ins- insanely like beautiful about it, or like you know, like perfect about it, but it's just this very charming little story that they want to tell. Yeah, I liked it. it. The whole thing is like as long as a full length episode because it's ten episodes and two minutes long. What I saw, I thought was alright, but I mean, as you can imagine, based on the fact that I didn't finish it, I wasn't especially enthralled, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't super enthralled with the whole thing either, but it's just like, it was like every, you know, every, you know, for the day it was, it was like every hour or so, I was like, you know, I'll watch a new one, and then, you know, you pop it in, and it's like a nice two-minute distraction. Yeah. It was great. I, I, I liked it, but, you know, just, it. I liked it, it was good, that's about as much as I can say about it. It was good, yeah. Now I'm going to tell you about something that 
made me cheer up. I don't even remember what this is. This is Planetarian. Uh, Planetarian, first of all, I want to say um, the the presentation of what it is is, like, perfect. Okay. Planetarian is based on, like, a two to three hour kinetic novel, which is a visual novel with no choices. Okay. So, it, it basically, you you have a book that lasts two to three hours with, like, voice acting and, st- and pictures. Yeah, and yeah. So, the way they tell the story is instead of trying to fit it into, you know, trying to extend it to 12 episodes or whatever, is they basically made it a series of five episodes of various length. So, like, the first one's, like, 24 minutes long, the next one's, like, 14 minutes long, the next one's, like, 16. And, like... How'd they so, air this, then? It's a, it's a net animation. Okay. It was only online. Okay. Um, but it was really cool in that way because it's like, here is the chunk of story we want to tell. Here's, you you get from the beginning to a conclusive, or at least like, you know, a, a conclusive end to this chunk. It's done yeah. exactly as long as it needs to be. And I think that's really that good, good because with as little content as there is, you can't really stretch it out without it feeling like artificial. Yeah. So by making it exactly as long as it needs to be, that's, you know, it does really well in that way. But mm-hmm. um, Planetarian is about a sort of, it is it is a sort of post-apocalypse in a way, because it's definitely like post like huge world war sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, natural resources are gone, there's overpopulation, um, the idea is that the space exploration project just completely failed, and so there's just been this huge warfare going on, and just ruining kind of the entire world. Isn't that the way it always goes? Nuclear fallout causes, like, constant, um, constant acid rain going through. And so, there's, so we have our main character, who's never named... But um, he's he's a junker, which is basically he goes into sort of these eradicated sort of cities and tries to collect anything worthwhile out of there, like any th- okay. any technology that can still be used, you know, like any preserved foods or booze kind of thing. Is this just Wally? You know, a little. It's a little oh. Wally. It's it's a little Wally. So he he's doing that, and he stumbles onto a planetarium, which a a robot who has been in cryo sleep that used to be the host of the planetarium has just woken up. Um, it's been I think thirty years since uh, she was put to sleep, and so she has no, she doesn't have the ability to understand what's going on. So she continues her daily routine as if nothing had happened. Okay. And so he finds her standing in the doorway, like, trying to, uh, trying to invite these non-existent guests in to watch the show. And sort of about his interactions with her as he kind of gets sucked into her daily life. Even though he finds it annoying, it's like, she keeps asking him to kind of fix things within the planetarium, and he does begrudgingly, because he's hoping to get more stuff out of it, like materials, as he travels the city. Right. And... So this is a uh, this is by Key, um, the the developer of stories like Clan Ad and uh, Little Busters and Canon and stuff like that. Hmm. And a lot of those stories are about sort of the how sometimes you need to mature out of the innocence of youth. 
because you know something something bad happens and you need to learn to overcome it even though you are a child basically i wish they'd overcome their bad art god damn well they've gotten better okay they've they've definitely gotten better well then there you go i'm glad they lived up to their own uh, <laughs> moniker but this story is a lot more about sort of how this sort of childlike innocence can also be important in a worldview because it's about how even with such like a war-torn world, sometimes hope is sort of all you need to keep going. And this this girl brings this hope because she doesn't have the capacity to understand anything other than, you know, other than sort of the wonders of space and the mysteries of what she's been taught. Yeah. And like and that's that's what it's about. The the junker decides that he's going to take this girl around because she has the ability to tell stories about the stars and all these fantastic things that are told in the stories of like constellations and stuff and just things to entice the people to keep living in a way. Uh huh. I, I find it really, really charming. Like it was, it was a great, I think story. It was just as long as it needed to be. And it, and I think it has a really good message to it that like, even at the worst in the world, sometimes just something that's like beautiful and saccharine is enough to kind of keep people going. Like this sense of hope. It's, it's really good in that way. It looks really good. Studio David did a really good job with this or David production. Okay. Um, it's yeah, it, it, it looks really good. And I'm, I was, I was just impressed. Uh, I'm excited for the like side story movie that's coming out later too, but that didn't get uh, subbed yet. But it's like a it's a it's like a five five episode story that's like maybe two hours. So if you know the the it sounded interesting, Funimation has it. I thought it was I thought it was really charming. That does sound neat. I might give it a look. Yeah. Um, this one's quick. Uh, days. As soon as we stopped talking about it, I didn't want to watch anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 just got it's we talked about it before, but it's just got problems of like. There's only really one character, and his sort of like story isn't enough to. There hold really up the is rest only one character, isn't there? Yeah, like all the other characters might as well not exist. And other people who have watched more of it have said as much. They've just yeah. been like, "Yeah, you know, like there are times when that char- when uh, Sugimoto doesn't show up in the episodes, and apparently Oof. they just are completely empty. That sounds because terrible. That- all one note characters, and there's just nothing." driving it otherwise. Goddamn. That's really unfortunate, because I think Days had a pretty good start to it. And then it just... Hmm. I don't even know about that. Um, I am... had very Yeah, okay, yeah, actually, the first episode was good. I think the first episode set up something good, and just mm-hmm. as it went through, it was more and more like, hmm, I see where this is going. I never would have expected that we never... that we were never going to break through the barrier of um, the blonde-haired kids character mm-hmm. like i figured we would get some insight into him at some point but all we really get is that this is just how he is and that's weird yeah he's a soccer genius and that's that's it can't dig it oh, let's talk about Amanchu though yeah i liked him that i can dig yeah it was it was pretty good i think um so i think one thing you had talked about before is you really disliked um the twin girl. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. I think she had a pretty good episode in the one where um, 
where she gets the love letter. Right. Because it's it is a exploration of her character that is not just her uh, comedic violence. Right. And I think that's that's kind of nice. You know, we we get to see a you know a version of her character that isn't just like oh, I beat up people because it's hilarious. Uh, I think it was a it was a good um, what's the word? It was a good gesture, but. And I don't think I liked it. Like as a standalone storyline, it was okay, but in the end, it didn't inform her character any further. Yeah, I guess that's that is the thing. Nothing, nothing changes after that. She just went back to being the same comedic relief character with no depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say they got one good joke out of her, mm-hmm. and that's when the girls go shopping together without the brother. And at one point, she gets mad, and then she's looking for something to kick, and he's not there. Mm-hmm. That was the one good joke. And she is in so much of this show. Yeah. And she's I, bad. Uh, but, and the stories that aren't about her, I think, are pretty good, though. Yeah, for the rest, it's it's a lot better. I think what really hit me was the the cell phone story. That was a really good one. Yeah, I thought when it's like uh, Futaba runs out of memory on her phone and she has to kind of think about the idea of deleting these memories. That was definitely my favorite uh, episode. I'm... I kind of wish it would have ended differently. Like, it's weird that they build into that personal dilemma and then sidestep it by the end. Mm-hmm, because they're like, oh, here's the thing that'll just keep all the pictures and you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously, like, the more, the more logical way to resolve the story. Mm-hmm. But it was still, like, it, it was a strange way to resolve it from, a, from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, because the idea is basically that she has all these pictures on her phone and each of them is supposed to hold a precious memory to her. And she's worried about deleting them because that means that she's basically erasing that. She feels like it's erasing that part of her life. Yeah. And she's worried about putting them on another SIM card because that means she, there's a lot of work that has to go into accessing them again. Yeah. And it's just her dilemma of trying to figure out like, do I, do I leave behind my old life that I still, you know, have these fond memories of and still happen to interact with these people or do, you know, or do I have to sacrifice these new memories that I've made? Yeah. And it's nice that she, in the in the end she doesn't have to choose because they're like here's uh here's something where you can upload the photos to it and it'll just show you a photo and you can put it by your bedside and every morning you'll be reminded of something. It is nice and I think it's um it, it fits into the overall tone of the series very well. It's just a very it's just a bit of a strange way to resolve that story itself. But, All right, you know, that's sure. It's okay. Um. The cats are continue to be weird. They have that tiny baby cat. Oh my cat god, at the cats! Point. Did we talk about the cats the first time around? I don't think we did. The cats have butts for did. faces and look well, disgusting. This is what Shirobaka warned us about. <laughs> yeah, these cats are. I'm sure it's a stylistic thing, but goddamn these cats! Yeah, well, you know, when I um when we got to the halfway part, I was actually curious uh how long I would be able to put up with the show from there on. Because uh-huh. I figured that after they had established all the character stuff, I don't know where the series was going to go from there on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, they end, they managed to resolve it in a satisfying way and keep me interested throughout. Yeah. Because uh, because I think the first episode of the second half, or maybe not the first, but the first one after a certain turning point at least, was the um, uh, the the hot the like dog days of summer episode where uh-huh. they have to spend their time outside and that was a bad episode i think okay oh the one where they play um the one where they play uh red light green light yes that one that part was kind of charming but the mm. it was a little it, it was just it's empty 
Yeah, I was just worried that the rest of the show was going to be exactly like that. And if ah, it had I been, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have finished it. Uh, but they they put more stuff in there, I think. They put in, like, you had the phone episode, and then there's the episode where they all go shopping together. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, that's just a fun one. Yeah. There, there was a, a wholesome beach episode, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. The one where, um, where they talk about how, you know, everyone's kind of scared of moving forward, but they do it because they want to look at these new experiences. Yeah. Right. That one. That was good. There was not a single weird thing about it. I don't know. There was that one shot where the uh, where I was in the dressing room. But other than that, here's the it was most surprising clean. thing about it too. Is like they make a they make a single reference to oh, um, I is buying two swimsuits because she's too big for a single one. Mm-hmm. But they never play on that as like all oh, fan service. Like she just wears two swimsuits and there's nothing. Yeah, that's real, by the way. And yeah, it's it's a real thing. But it's like there wasn't anything weird about it. They didn't make it weird and sexy or whatever. Yeah, I think it still kind of is. Otherwise, they wouldn't have mentioned it at all. I mean, it's it's still not... It, it never felt, like, gross, I guess. It was just no, like, oh, no, I don't think this so is just either. a thing that some women have to deal with. Yeah. And then the last episode, I thought, was really good. It was a great way to end the series, yeah. And I, I assume that was original content. I mean, they... I mean, she may have finished the whole, um... She may have finished her scuba diver training... Yes, that, I, I would assume so, yeah. Or did you mean the part after that? Oh, no, just like just the way that resolved in general. Oh, maybe. But yeah. I thought it was a really good kind of culmination of everything. Absolutely, Because yeah. she still does some training there. You know, she's not perfect, but she gets to mm-hmm. do the sort of things that she's only thought about the rest of the series. Yeah. And everyone's there and just, like, having fun and exploring sort of this, the beauty of nature. Yeah. And then there's the end where uh, you could read it as a you could read it as a confirmation of a relationship between Hikari and Futaba, or you could yeah. read them as just being stronger friends. Like it's one of those things that is um, obtuse enough because the simple relation, the simple thing of "I love you" and holding hands is not enough to say that oh, definitely they're kissing. I think that's only because they're uh, because they're two girls. If it had been a boy and a girl, it would have definitely been a been a sure sign. Oh, totally. Of them being in a relationship, so I think I'm still gonna choose to read into it that way, and that makes me unhappy because these are two I, characters that I don't want to the, be. The more I watched it, the less I was. I disliked the idea of them being in a relationship, and more I just thought it doesn't really, it doesn't really like change the story that much. No, like, I, I guess think, not. I think I think the story, in the same way that Orange is about the fact that you make a whole bunch of new friends and his new experiences, this is the same thing. It's it's about learning to break out of your chill and enjoy things, and it doesn't necessarily need to have that romance. Like, I just think it's bad because Pikari is basically portrayed as a low functioning individual, and oh. that's kind of scary and weird. But yeah, but I mean, like my big thing was just like, regardless, it just doesn't benefit the story in any way for it to happen. So I don't. Yeah. And, like, that would be true of any romance. I don't want this to be, like, people to think that I don't, I just don't like this sort of thing. Yeah. Still, I like the series. I think a lot of what it does is good. I like the two, and it looked really good all the way, which is more than I can say for every other show I watched this season. Oh, yeah, it was consistent in its uh, style. Yeah. Also, um, I, I still feel like the, the Muppet faces are used a little too often. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, I think... Ma- 
Okay. I think that was true for the first couple episodes, but I think beyond a certain point, it was very, it was, it was very appropriate. I know there, uh, now that I think about it, there were maybe a couple times where the Muppet faces leaked into more genuine moments, and that was weird. That was my big thing. Like the part mm. where they're, they're on the beach and they're talking about these sort of like big emotional things. The entire time, Pikery has like a, has a goofy face. Yeah. And I thought that was a little, that was a little weird. Well, that's in character for her, I suppose. Yeah, and it did, and it did kind of tone down a bit. I don't know. It was yeah. fine. I, yeah. I, it was a good show. It was a good show. I liked it. Yeah, I had a good time. And continuing on with the sports, more sports. It's time for this, uh, this season's surprise hit. <laughs> I get, I got it. Ah! But yeah, battery. Yeah, uh, battery was way good. Goddamn. What's interesting is looking at everyone else's opinion of Battery that I can find on the internet, or most of mm-hmm. them, they show a real decline as the story goes on, and I think... You know, I totally get it. Uh, I think it's just... It, does, it doesn't have a satisfying narrative arc. Which is fine. A story doesn't have to, but I, I think a lot of people can't dig a story that doesn't have that. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really end, in a way. It doesn't really end. It never really reaches a, a, just like a, a high a high point and then a low point again. No, it's just kind of it, it's always going a little bit. Because it's just about it's not even about an arc. It's about the characters. Yeah, and I think maybe that is an issue. And even the characters don't really have much of an arc. A little bit. They kind of develop. They do because you you see the change in um, Takumi because Takumi beforehand is like extremely obsessed with um, obsessed with this you know like betterment and success and as it goes on he sort of just becomes complacent and being able to play he he is excited for the game of baseball rather than excited about the prospects of what that means for him you think so yeah and he he has that entire talk with go where it's like he doesn't really know why he wants to do this anymore, but he just wants to enjoy the game of baseball. And Go feels the same way, where he's like, Go got really worked up about Takumi's attitude, and around that same time, he's like, you're right, I just really want to play baseball with you. Mm -hmm. Because you are, you know, you're a different, you know, you're completely different than a lot of the other people doing this. Yeah. And that attitude pisses off a lot of characters, and I totally get it. And I think a neat thing it does is, while these two bond, that other duo, uh, who was it? Um, Shunji and Shugo, I think? The uh, other the other duo from the rival school. Yeah, I think it's... Yes. Uh, they are being ripped apart, basically. Yeah. Like, Takumi and Go mature in their relationship over their, like, interactions and even, you know, through, like, Go beating the shit out of Takumi. That does happen. But, um, but like Shunji and Shugo, it becomes very obvious that, like, they never, they never really understood each other or really, like, Shunji especially, like, did not like Shugo at all for his attitude and kind of just put up with it. Mm hmm. And it's, it's this weird, like, back and forth between these two characters. Cause for a while I was like, why are we getting so much time on these other two? But it's, it's because it's such a distinct thing from Takumi and Go, where their um, their upsets cause the them to grow together. Uh, Shunji and Shugo grow apart because 
they just they just realize that they cannot gel anymore, or at least because Shunji, Shunji does. is such an awful human being. Yeah, and I think you know he's just the worst guy alive. That's fine, you know. There are people. Like is it, that. I, you know, I disagree. Um, I think he was at a certain point. He really started the writing really started to portray him as a cartoon supervillain. He might have been a little too mean. But he's that, not even too mean. He's just really two-dimensional. Like, there's a part where he has a five-minute speech about how he never liked Katawaki, mm-hmm. and that was, like, super weird and out of place. Okay, fair. Yeah. But it is, a, it is a dichotomy between these two groups, and there's still, like, a lot of depth to a lot of the other characters. There's a lot going on. Oh, absolutely. As we said before. Yeah. And by the end, it's like, Shugo is still obsessed with sort of chasing... Um, uh, a success against Takami, and Takami has like lessened that. He's just there to do the best he can. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the thing is like, in a way, like they've swapped roles. Like, uh, Shugo sort of regressed, and Takami has progressed. Yeah, and I think it's cool in a way that like the big, the big conclusion is Takami pitching the ball, and in a sense, we never know if Shugo hit it. Well, we do. We do because uh, the post credits have the sound of the crack of the bat, but yeah. it's still left a little ambiguous. I kind of wish they hadn't done that because the point is that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that whether or not he managed to throw the he manages to throw the perfect pitch or not. Right. So that's um, yeah. I mean, he could throw the perfect pitch, but it's whether or not he thinks Go can handle it. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly trying to throw his best pitch because he is all over. And I've talked about how when he's really at his best, he has no control. Yeah. Like, he gets that perfect pitch at the very end, and it just cuts to black. And we, even though the back cracks, that's still left ambiguous enough of we don't know what happened. I guess so. I guess so. I liked Battery, though. I liked it, too. Uh, there, was, there was stuff that I didn't like, though. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. It I think it's really weird that the torture subplot uh, let's not mend words, goes nowhere. It's it's there just to, like, contrive a way for the baseball club to get disbanded, which is terrible. Uh, I mean, it's not t- it's not terrible, but it just feels cheap. I certainly would have expected it to have more of a lasting thing to it. Yeah, I was actually hoping that that was going to be the fo- focus of the plot. Like, afterwards. if you were going to do it, make it mean more. Yeah, I actually... I actually thought they were going to go somewhere with it at first because there's a part where um, there's a part where Takami's grandfather uh, like touches him on the shoulder and then he kind of brushes him off, like forcefully brushes him off. And I thought like maybe they were mm-hmm. going to go in the direction that he had developed some sort of complex, but then it just turns out that that's because you don't uh, touch pitchers with their pitching uh, like around their pitching arm area. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. And it didn't affect. That's a weird thing to say, but like. I expect Takami to grow more out of it. It nothing. He it doesn't change him at all, and he sort of trusts Go more, but it doesn't come across. Again, it's like everything in this show is a lot about like very subtle changes of character to the point where it's like I don't know if anything changed with him because yeah. it's it's um you know you can't criticize something for what it isn't or what it chooses not to do. But I do think that the story is worse for just throwing this in here and then having it go away and have no lasting consequences other than the ones the author needed it to have. Because that, that's bad writing. And I don't like that. 
Unless there's something that comes back later in the other like books that this is. Which that's a long that's a long time of like having to build up to that. Yeah. But I I can't know because I don't read the manga. Yeah, and then the character like the the leader of the team that like instigates the assault on Takami disappears just completely from the story beyond a certain point, which I think is a missed opportunity. Which is the thing where he's just like, I'm so sick of this dude that I'm not going to yeah. participate anymore. But once again, you can't fault a story for what it doesn't do. But I do think it it's a missed opportunity. There not... are missed opportunities, but it's I think it's definitely not as bad as a lot of people seem to be. Uh, pushing it as I it is guess. absolutely not it's just uh, it's just a very strange watch i think for because yeah it's just, it's just not a traditional narrative at all and that's okay it's, it's very little about the sport um, which is a big thing i don't know about I that mean, it, it is surrounding the sport but very little sport happens very little sport happens but what i did like is that when the sport happens they there are these long relatively long stretches where they just let the sport happen like there will be just 20 seconds of just like a stretch of play uh, with no music either, usually. Just characters, like, doing the baseball. And that's really nice. That's something you don't see a lot. Like, either it's you It's not get... a lot of dramatics. Yeah. It, yeah, I, that that is true. It's like, when it gets to the sport, it is the purest form of that sport. And that was really good. I really liked that. And it looked good. I, I don't know. It, it looked consistent. It wasn't particularly inspired. No, but I I think for as, like... As simple as stories as tell, a simple style kind of benefits it in a way. Uh, I suppose. It was good. I, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, like, the the colors are a little washed out, but it's it it succeeds, I think, in a number of ways. It's yeah. it's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different, but I think it's just as good as I would have expected out of what it, what it looked like initially. Yeah. I know, I, di- I didn't really know what to expect. Like, I thought it was going to be pretty good, and it turned out to be very good, so... Yeah. I'm happy. I'll tell you what, uh, having experienced Battery makes me dislike Kuroko no Basket even more than I already did, which was a lot. Uh, explain why, because I haven't actually seen Kuroko no Basket. Uh, because, because Kuroko no Basket and Battery are both about characters who are already really good at what they do. And Kuroko no Basket takes that basically nowhere. All it, all it means for the story is that they take on even better opponents than you normally would in, like, a regular sports anime where the characters are, like, beginners. It just increases the scope of the story. And that's such a waste of such a different approach to who these characters are. And as far as I understand, Kuroko is basically, like, magic when it comes down to some of their plays. They're basically basketball wizards. Like, they can just do things that you can't do in real life. Okay. Um, like I said, Kuroko no Basuke is a total waste of a, is, of a scenario, and Battery isn't. Like, they take the fact that Takumi is a smug genius when it comes to basketball and they they write there's a story written around it that plays into that well there are consequences for it yes and he's he's just a great character um like people give him shit in a way that makes sense for like how much of a jerk he is all the time and uh, that doesn't happen in Kuroko no Basket even though everyone is just like a completely unbearable just like dirtbag and Kurokuro Basket is just bad, and Battery is good, and that's that's what I want you to take away from this episode of the podcast. Okay. Well, thank you. Not just you, the audience as well. Well, I'm sure they're thanking you too, yeah. unless they disagree with you. Well, then they can probably get the unsubscribe mad. buttons over there, buddy. <laughs> they're just unsubscribe for our Kurokuro Basket opinions. Yeah. Because we've got more opinions coming at you. We we do. We got them all. 
Like this one on Love Live Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love Live Sunshine got a lot better, I think, uh, at the at the midway break that we had. Okay. Because it it not only told it, it not only kind of broke away from the oh everything's like the our first show isn't that great. It actually had like a a plot point where it's like they go to the school that the original group went to and kind of realize the reason that they were popular is because they did their own thing and they weren't like trying to copy other people. So from now on, we're going to try to do our own thing and stop trying to chase the impossible dream of being people. (laughs) That's great. I I wish that was a rewrite because that would be just amazing on a meta level. (laughs) They they originally were like, oh, let's just keep going with this. And they're like, "Mm, maybe if we, maybe if we were like, Actually, let's make our own characters. <laughs> no, um, I thought that went pretty well. Um, they Once they finally got the whole cast together, I think there were some really good just moments of character that weren't there in like the original series. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot about um, communication between each other. Yeah. And sort of the, the problems that come with like trying to do your best for someone else and not talk about the problems you're having. Uh-huh. Because it turns out the the entire, like, third years that are in the group, they originally tried to do this idol thing and they kept, like, kind of hiding things from each other to make it seem like everything was fine. Right. And it just ended up breaking them apart and so this, there's a whole episode about them sort of coming back together and, like, realizing that they've always had the best intentions for each other and they just suck at talking about it. Okay. And there's stuff but like that between other characters, too. There's this really nice sense of, like, they're actually facing their problems as insignificant or as, like, weird as they are. They're, they're willing to talk to each other to figure out why they're not feeling right and, you know, trying to, trying to find themselves in a way. Okay. The, the only real complaint I have with it is... So they, they do the last episode and they're like in a, a preliminary act for a, um, a, a, a like going to Love Live, the big competition. Okay. And they, they're like trying to ex- they, they have a song, but the whole part before it is like, they're trying to say why it's important for uh, people to vote for them. And they do a skit that is like it's a good, like, five minutes long that just recounts the entire story of the anime. What? But, like, really dramatized and goofy. Oh, okay. And that would work a lot better in a second season where you want to remind people what happened. Yeah, I guess so. And not at the end of a season to, like, pat yourself on the back for all the, oh, was all the, all way the, the progress end? you've made. Yeah, it's, it's the very end right before the final song. That is super weird. Which the final song is, like, Whatever, it's it's alright, and it's about them looking forward to the future. Uh, also, another thing is, okay, so one of the first songs they released for Accor is this group. Sorry, it's pronounced Aqua, but that's garbage, because that's not how it's spelled. Um, Accor's is, uh, is called Step Zero to One. And through the entire last three episodes, they talk about how zero people voted for them, and zero people have... Um, have like signed up to to go to the open house and they're talking about making that step from zero to one and they don't play the goddamn song named step zero to one. Oh my god that's terrible it's like how I'm gonna, in... tell, you, I'm gonna tell you i took a tire point off for that on my review that's just like how in the movie sunshine they never once say it's daylight saving time <laughs> fucked up even though they're going to reignite the sun yeah it's terrible right 
But also, I think that movie's not very good. What? What? I, hear. what? I hear that movie's not the good. The Sunshine is, is really good. I like okay. it a lot. Man, who said that? Sorry, oh. I've only seen Little Miss Sunshine, and that's not the same movie. No. I mean... That movie's pretty alright, though. From what I remember. I have never seen that one. Okay. Yeah, I think Love Love Sunshine is sort of... It is. I think it's the, it's the better version of Love Live. Cool. If you're really excited about seeing idols, and not in like a way that's clearly exploitative of the idol, you know, of the idol industry, then eh, check out Love Live. There are some really there are some good songs in there. Maybe the reason the other one was so bad because you know this one's called Love Live Moon Sunshine. Uh-huh. Maybe the other one was so bad is because the staff was all on moonshine. Whoa! Is 91 Days wow. up next? Because if it isn't, we gotta change that around. Because that's the <laughs> perfect segue. It's not. We're doing it. Uh, yeah, I I liked Love Live Sunshine. I don't know if I'd watch a second season, and it's pretty much confirmed that there will be a second season. But I really enjoyed my time with these characters. Okay, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, and next up, I did not enjoy my time. No, with Cheer Don, she passed the halfway. Point. Jesus Christ. So here's the thing about Chiodanchi. Chiodanchi is not... Good. Chiodanchi's first half is uneven, but gives us a reasonable amount of characters to care about for the rest of the six episodes. Yeah. Because you can build on the seven characters, right? Absolutely. Now, let's add 17 characters. (laughs) That's a lot. And that's where things go really bad. I think that's only part of the problems, but yes. One of the main problems, we can agree, is that they added, like, ten more characters to the group. They added too many characters. Because the problem then is, all of those characters are extremely one-note. Yeah. I mean, shit, some of them some of them are zero-note. Like, the two dudes who are the breakdancers, I'm pretty sure they never get a single line to even introduce themselves. And I want to see them break dance in the middle of a cheer competition. Yeah, you know what? But I never will. Own. I never will. Because I won't go back and watch the final episode, which exactly. apparently has another, a single other cheer that they do. I bet it's really bad anyway. So, the recap definitely made it so that some of the episodes look better, but not all of the episode. Like, there are moments where things look really detailed, and it's so jarring because of how mediocre the rest of it looks. Yeah. It is. And then they introduce some... Ri- the, the, the biggest issue is that the two characters they focus on after the group gets together is the guy who's really obsessed with being the best at cheer. Oh, I forgot about this. And that Ronald McDonald motherfucker. What's his gimmick again? The, oh, right. Re- he, 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 that he has a red afro. No, his gimmick is that he, that he bends over and he says broccoli because of his hair. Yeah. That was so... Yeah, but... So, yes, his gimmick is that he has a red afro. That is his gimmick. And they go through this two-episode arc of him being a lazy jerk. He's a jackass. He is. He's a lazy jackass. And then the guy who's way too serious about cheering is like, you gotta gotta square up. Or not square up. And he, like, pushes him down or something. Man, I don't even know if that happens. But it's they spend two episodes on these two awful characters not developing anything. And they don't even kick the jerk out at the end. Yeah, the guy's like, I'm gonna quit. And then everyone's like, no, we need you here for some reason. And and then the the, the Afro guy's like, I'm sorry. And then the other guy's like, I'm sorry too. I'm pretty sure he does not apologize. He might say, I'm glad you're sorry. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, no, that's not. I'm pretty sure. I don't think that's what did it. Because, but the reason uh, that's we extremely both, what did it for me. Okay, the reason I got like mega upset around the end is because one, they put in the racist Chinese caricature in the episode. <laughs> he is okay. So here's what they do with him, right? He has the the pale skin and the thick lips. And mm-hmm. he has the weird accent where he has like he doesn't enunciate right, and he has a really high pitched voice. Mm-hmm. And he has that like weirdly, he has a very I don't I don't know how to describe it, but he has an affectation to it that is very stereotypical of Chinese people in Japanese media, and that just rubbed me the wrong way in a big way. And then there was that one really bad gay joke in the same episode. Oh yeah, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, they, it was bad. It was bad. It was. Um, man, there were a lot of things that just were bad in that second bit. For a show that is has such a progressive premise as boys do cheerleading and they have a good time, and they having, have bits about how it's progressive because like everyone's like, "Oh, that's a girl thing." Yeah, and then and then having that like racism and sexism in it. It's weird, man. Like, oh my god. It, it really makes just the whole angle of the show feel like a pose because stuff like that is in it. Because a lot... Yeah, it's just... And I think they knew that they weren't getting that second... They weren't going to get that second season, which is why they tried to push, like, what feels like an entire book's worth of shit into one season. Yeah. Because there's just not enough time to breathe. There really is just absolutely nothing in the second season. Because at, at least the first season had stuff half. like... The, the second half, right? Sorry. Because uh, the first season has some interesting stuff, like, with the, the main characters. Um, you know, there's some stuff with, like, his like, his brittle body and, like, him quitting judo and all that is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And there's nothing like that in the second season. All we get is broccoli and gay jokes. <laughs> and racism. <laughs> I just like the idea of the two things we have, broccoli and gay jokes. That's yeah. my new restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it was totally like, you sort of kind of got through the like seven characters or whatever that were in the original group. They had their progression kind of maybe. And even that, yeah, even that was pushing it already. That was tenuous. Yeah. And then you add ten more characters and you're going to try to tell me that all of them are going to have equalish problems that you're going to solve and six up no nobody also the the amount of like montage going on was just like ugh yeah they only save money for the 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 cheering moments and otherwise it's like oh here's some stills and some music the music is still really good they did have the really good music absolutely it was it's a it's a bumping soundtrack it's diverse tell you what they paid a lot of attention to the uh to the character's wardrobe uh-huh because they were all dressed like complete dorks they, they sure were and you don't do that you don't do that sort of thing on accident right so it's commendable in a way yeah man those some of those outfits were awful yeah everybody had their moments except for the guy who was wearing the cats he was good he was the only saving grace of the second half thank goodness yeah bless the, him wait the tiny kid yeah now that tiny kid was good. I wish the entire second half was just about him being cool. I wish he'd gotten an arc. Maybe he still does in one of the later episodes. If he does, I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> if he does, I bet it's not as good. Yeah. Sorry, he doesn't say broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, cheer boys, to put it to put it simply, not enough cheer 
too many boys. I think we've made, yeah, we definitely have said that to ourselves a lot. Yeah. There are way too many characters there for are. 12 episodes. Yeah. And some of those characters are just bad. And man, every time they did the subplot of Haruko and the girl, it was like, just, okay, here, we have to take this arc, we're advancing it slightly. <laughs> That's done. Back to the main plot. Here's a girl. Uh, They speak two lines together. Yep. If they kiss at the end, that would make me really mad. Again, if you spread out that first six episodes into 12 episodes, you could maybe make me believe in that. Yeah. But you didn't. But there's only one thing I can really believe in. That's Bananya. Oh my god, I can... Yeah, absolutely. The pe the people's hero, Bananya. That, that's him. Here's the thing about Bananya. It never tries to be anything more than, like, a short vignette about a ca uh, cat and a banana having weird adventures. I mean, that's all I need. Yeah, and honestly, it's like, that's all I need. It was never better or worse than its initial premise gave off. Okay. Like, sometimes Bananya eats candy and goes nuts. Sometimes the Bananya's, like, fuck up a bathroom because they're, like, playing with toothpaste or whatever and almost get sucked down the sink. I mean, like, how much more relatable does it get, right? I mean, exactly. And, like, there are a lot of Bananyas. I mean, a lot of them aren't very different, and some of them are, like, edging on the point of, like, mild racism. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... Oh, yeah, they are. I forgot about there's that. Because like, there's, like, the Indian banana, and he just does, like, a sweet Indian dance. Oof. <laughs> But, like, that's, like, super inoffensive. Like, it's just, like... Is it? Oh, also, there's, also there's a black banana, and they go, Oh, black banana, you're too black. <laughs> because he, like... Because he, like... Because they're, like, having a night adventure where they're gonna go eat out of the fridge or whatever. But then black banana shows up because he blends in with the darkness. Uh. <laughs> he scares the shit out of them. I don't remember that scene from Birth of a Nation. The new one, I mean, not the, the old... No, oh, I shouldn't have said cut that part. <laughs> Anyways, I liked Banania. It was extremely acceptable. I still haven't like, seen it, it, but if they ever release, like, uh, key, banana, Banania keychains, I'll buy one of those. The, the, the ending song that they have is, like, catchy in a way. It's really nice. And after every episode... Not only do they introduce one of the Bananias and, like, give you an idea of they all have separate characters, I swear, they also just show pictures of real cats and go, these are Bananias' friends sent in by, like, the staff or fans, and it's oh, great. Well, that's great. See, that part's great. It's a, it, it is a perfectly acceptable show. It is Bless. a hot three out of five. Uh, do you think they came up with the name first and then built the rest of the anime out of that? Or do you think they came God, up- God, if they- I I have to believe that they came up with the the pun first. I want it to be the other way around because that's the more amazing story in my opinion. <laughs> they they're like, what if we put an animal in a banana? Yeah. And then they're and they're like thinking of like jokes, like, banana, and they just all like fucking they just all go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, TMS Entertainment, you did it again. Thank you. Yeah. So that's banana. It, it was it. It never aspired to be anything more than it was, and that was great. Yeah, it was a decent show uh, by Rock Short. Oh. What's up next? Uh, yeah. Uh, as soon as I stopped, the, as soon as we did the mid-season show, I realized I didn't want to watch it anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm just really. I guess. I guess like it was kind of a flash in the pan. Like, oh, I'm pleasantly surprised by a show by Rock season one. Man, I'm glad was this like, was mm -hmm. a flash in the pan and not show not Banania, because then he would have burned. Oh, that would have been sad. Yeah, that would have been really sad. 
Then he would have ended up like Black for Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think I like Show by Rock as much as I maybe thought I did. The shorts were kind of bad. They, They middled on either being decent or bad, and that was maybe the biggest problem. More like Show by Rock came up short. Damn. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my story about Shovar Short. Alright. Uh now let's talk about Mob Psycho 100, which you watched a lot of in anticipation for this very show. Uh not necessarily for this show. I mean yes, in the, within that time frame, but I did it because people were really raving about it. And I felt like at that point, uh, it's almost obligatory for me to watch it just for anime of the year considerations. Yeah, like, just to see out of what people are clamoring about. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do that for ReZero, too, and that's gonna be... I don't think we have to do that for I'm gonna ReZero. do it. I'm, I feel like that is our calling, but I, I feel like, speaking of calling, I'm probably gonna be calling it on that one pretty quick. I bet you're not gonna make it as long as you did in No. Because I hear it takes to, like, episode 8 to even start, like, getting something. Oh my god. But, um, Mob Psycho 100. Um, so... First half is very One Punch Man-esque in that it's sort of, like, episodic uh, mob goes and, like, fights a ghost, but it's, like, a goofy way because Reagan is a weirdo. The first half is a lot like One Punch Man that actually has jokes. It, it is very joke-heavy, yes. Yeah. And I think there, as soon as we finish, which was the end of episode five, is where it starts getting into the actual plot thing that one clearly wanted to do. And that's that where is, it starts getting weird. That is also how I would put it. He was very excited about doing this, clearly. Yeah. And I don't... And I was not excited about the execution to start. And yeah. so, like, episodes six and seven breaks away from Mob and Reagan to talk about Mob's brother. Did we complete the entire uh, plot of the uh, blonde-haired kid from the other school before the no, break? No, because he... Uh, he... They finished the fight. Okay. And I talked about that. Okay, like Halo, right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish <laughs> I want a Psycho, the first-person shooter game. <laughs> That's just mob in Halo. <laughs> no, but um, so six and seven, I thought was weird. Yeah. It was a weird, like, just cut to basically like something that sets up the next plot, but could have or should have been better integrated into the story. Mm-hmm. Because it, it just becomes this two-episode block where nothing that you started with ends up, like, mattering for a while. Yeah, I guess so. Because the whole point is that um, Ritsu's part of the student council, and the student council president is really being pushed to sort of be better than he is by his parents. Yeah. And so what he decides to do is he decides to set up a bunch of the, like, delinquents at school and just make them, like, ruin their reputation so that they get expelled. So that they can clean up the school. Man, that really is how that story starts off, huh? And Ritsu is complacent in that, but then realizes that it's basically just making him miserable because he's... They're not innocent people, but they are being, like, completely, like, destroyed um, socially because they're like, oh, this guy stole the mouthpieces of the reeds and is, like, doing weird things with them. Like, you know, these very, like, weird, perverse things. Yeah. And it's it's just... I get that it sets up the whole part where Ritsu uncovers his powers and decides that he's gonna go, like, rogue or whatever. But it's just a weird block of two episodes that I just... It felt like it really should have been integrated into the other, like, episodes before even a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. 
Like, at least give me the inkling of that this is coming up. Yeah. Because it came out of nowhere. But then, I think once the, um... Once they started having that fight, and that guy showed up to steal, um... Ritsu, thinking it was Mob, I sort of got what one wanted to do with this series. Okay. Because, like, the idea I understand is that the entire story is about how power corrupts and sort of the differences and approach of all these different characters and how they see their powers and how they see themselves against people without them. Right. And I think it does have something good to say, which is that, you know, you you need to understand that just because you are better than someone else in one way or another does not mean that you are greater than them. Mm-hmm. Like, you are not above them. You just happen to have a different talent that they don't. Yeah. Which I think is a good lesson. Like, totally. especially since this is aimed, I think, towards younger audiences. But it definitely, like, is weird because it goes from this very jokey, one-punch-man style delivery into a very serious thing with occasional jokes. It really does. Um, and it, it caught me off guard and didn't make me happy. I think the the the... The reduction of jokes isn't necessarily, like, bad, because I think when they do do the comedic bits, it hits better, because it's not so, like, punchy, I guess. Uh-huh. But it's just a weird, like, oh, here's five episodes where it's all jokes and goofs, and with, like, one really serious fight, and then the rest of it is, like, extremely serious. Yeah. And I didn't dislike it, it was just, like, a weird thing to notice, like, oh, like, I wish this had been a little more consistent like, tone-wise. I did dislike it a lot. I tried to power my way through it, but I couldn't. I gave up after episode 8. That's right after Ritsu gets taken away. And I think if it had been a little more on that end than at the beginning, like, still have the Reagan moments, because Reagan is supposed to be sort of the goofy character in the cast. Right. Like, I think he's fine. He, He has some good setups for, like, the fact that he's, you know, the fucking stealing money from people. Um, but if you had any semblance of the seriousness going in before that, I think the transition would have been better. Like, make me believe that there is a villain before this. I don't think the problem is uh, so much the, the genre shift. I mean, I didn't really like it that much, but that's not, I mean, that's not necessarily well, that's my a bad problem thing. with it. Okay. You talk about yours. Um, I think my problem is just that uh, it's still one writing this. He is, he writes one dimensional characters that are completely unrelatable except on like a surface level of who is charming and who isn't. And then they try to, or he, I guess, tries to uh, weave a serious drama <clears throat> through that. And I just don't, don't think it works even a little That's bit. Fair. Um, and, and a lot of the comedy is like irreverence for what he's doing, which can kind of come off as cheap. Uh, sometimes. Cause like he wants to, bu- cause he wants to build these villains that are very strong. And then sometimes we just like mob push them into the wall and they die immediately. Like, yeah. And I think that joke does work sometimes, but it's it's a it, it almost feels like a crutch sometimes. I think there's a couple of good jokes when it's used. Uh, in the first couple episodes. Uh, definitely not as high quality for the most part as One Punch Man was, but you know it's still there. I think uh, I had a good enough time with the first four or so episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I first read the manga, I quit around the first serious story, which is the kid with the gold hair from the other school, mm-hmm. and I figured that it would sort of have a similar structure like from the start to that story and it would just kind of like do something like that over and over again i didn't expect it to stay serious um 
And yeah, I did, I did not. I couldn't get into that part of it. I I think in a lot of ways I do appreciate Mob more than One Punch Man because One Punch Man has a single joke, and Mob Psycho at least tries to be greater than that. And whether or not it works is going to be up to personal preference. Yeah. But I think by the end, I think a lot of what it tries to set up and the characters and like the distinction between them is neat and there's stuff going on there. And honestly, I hope as it goes on, there is more like character development. Okay. Because there's, there is a cool thing with like Mob's 100% issue where like the, the, his different emotions going into his sort of like breaking point affect what his powers do. Uh huh. Like, I think that's a cool setup, because even in the final episode, there's, like, a point where, because uh, Reagan kind of stops him from going berserk with anger to, like, kill all these people, because Reagan's very much, this is, that is, you know, extremely juvenile way of looking at it, you need to be better than they are, because they're using their powers for evil. Right. And so his, his 100% is just admiration for Reagan. So Reagan gets to pretend that he's got powers, because he's just, like, knocking, you know, knocking these black holes left and right and, you know, defeating them. And he doesn't even recognize that, like, he's been imbued with this power. He's just like, oh, I guess these guys are all really weak. And so he, like, talks back to them and stuff. And it's like, there's, there are charming moments to all of that. But no, there's, there's stuff to Mob Psycho that I really appreciate in a way that I would not appreciate in One Punch Man. And I think that these two stories are distinct enough that it's like, you don't have to like both of them, but one of them will probably grab you more than the other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because there's sort of, there's different takes on the same general, like, basis. Yeah. See, I don't agree that uh, ambition is an inherent virtue in a story. Um, okay. I think it's good, It's I think it's a good thing to have, have, but I mean, One Punch Man just hits so hard and Mob just doesn't, and I think it's just way worse than, but like, I think it's a, it's a total failure, uh, personally. I okay. did not like it at all. And uh, One Punch Man's great, so shit, man, there you go. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. It's not. It's not going to appeal to everyone. Yeah. Uh, art, on the other hand. Yeah. Let's agree that it looks really, really good. It looks way good. I love all the stuff they do with the with the glass painting. That's all. Yeah, great. the glass painting stuff is all great. Even the special effects just look really good. Yep. Good There's background a lot art. of really cool stuff visually going on. Yeah, I really like the um uh, the style. Uh, I mean, it's a different style every time, I think. Like, what they do when Mob, like, goes over the 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of great stuff with that. I think the OP and ED are both really good. Uh, the ED is great. OP is, uh, I can, I can take or leave, I think. The OP song is a little, but it's the, it's the, it's the visuals that I really like. Especially because oh, it's the other way around. perfectly. I like what they oh, do really? with the song, but the visuals are just, they're okay. Um, I like the okay. town stuff. Like, the, the... The vaporwave yeah, town, city stuff. Yeah, the rest is a little, you know. Okay, but it's so cool. And the, but the ending is a is just a tour de force. It's it's that really song neat. is really good. Mm-hmm. The glass painting stuff all looks really cool. I really liked the way the ending uh, seeped into, or the end of the episode seeped into the ending in the first episode. That was great. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. And it does a little bit of that in the other ones where like the song at least play and like. In the last one, they don't do a proper ending sequence, but they have, like, a, a pretty neat, like, EDM remix of the ending song. Okay. That they play over the ending, which is cool. Yeah. There's there's some neat stuff to it, for sure. Okay. Um, the only time I don't like the visuals is when they just play one st- style completely straight without adding any flair to it. 
Okay, yeah, that, that gets a little gross. Yeah, and sure. es- especially I don't really dig the soft shading they did. Uh, I think it works when there's a lot going on, but when you're just kind of looking at characters, it's really like, ew, that doesn't look so good. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah. It, it is certainly a tour de force in terms of art. It uh, it totally, yeah. Uh, one also little charming thing is at the end of episode 12, they do a little, like, side story of um, Reagan and Mob going to... Uh, to capture a mythical beast that's shown up in a mountain. Okay. And they got one to do the, um, they got one to do the, uh, the cells for that. <laughs> and he's attempting to do it in the anime style. Okay. But you can tell it's a lot cleaner than it normally would be, uh-huh. but it's still very distinctively like one kind of still doesn't know how things work, <laughs> that's which good. is charming. That is good. I was like, wait, this visual quality looks really bad now. I was like, oh, right. One did the things for that. Okay. That's cool. Thank you. One. Yeah, I, I I liked it, and it's okay that you don't. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Because I think we can still agree, if nothing else, it looks good. It looks very good, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe one of the best-looking things that we've seen this year. Of this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Certainly of the season. Of the season, totally, yeah. The season was a little... Um, it, it definitely didn't have big outliers. And if, if it did, then it's the ones we dropped like days... And mm-hmm. I don't want you, kind of, but... So now, I think the, the, the general idea of you did not like this, and I was okay with it, is the next one, which is Under the Dog. It just keeps happening. I'm sorry I'm so negative this episode. That's, it's okay, because uh, I, I can agree with I, what I assume is a lot of your Under the Dog criticism. Uh, so, Under the Dog, as, to go over it real quick, is the, is the, I think, original, like, Kickstarter anime post Little Witch Academia. Yes. And it's it's uh it, it's like a story that has been planned since the 90s to be done and they just never have been able to pitch it. Mhm. And so they put together this OVA which is sort of like a pilot. They refer to it as an episode 0. So it's very close clearly supposed to be a thing that sells you on the premise rather than like tells a story. It's really sad that this has been incubating for 25 years because it's such trite so it is about um, so a terrorist terrorists attacked the Tokyo Olympic Games in 2020, which is actually what's happening, right? The Tokyo Games are in 2020. Yes. Are they predicting the future? This is messed up. Anyways, so um, <laughs> it's been known for a while. Uh, okay. So I think they could have known at least around the time production that they started. Put this together. But yeah. I wonder if it was also like that in the original uh, concept. That's what I want to know. I think the original concept was just the flowers program. Mm. Which the Flowers program is that there are these teenagers with special abilities, and they're all, I think, female. And the idea is that they are sort of like a a squad to protect the world from um, from other like terrorists, people with similar abilities. Yeah. And they're forced into it because like their entire family is held hostage. Yeah. And if they fail, they die, and so do their families. God damn. So that's sort of how they. It, so that's how the UN handles it, because the UN bastion of like <laughs> competence in here. Great job. And so that's sort of the plot, and that's basically all we get to know from. We barely get to know that from the OVA. Like when I finished it, I had to go back to the Kickstarter, read through the snaps, like, oh, that's why all this is happening. I think I got most of that. I, well, not the UN part. It could have just been whatever, but it was definitely some kind of organized. Because the end has like a um. 
oh, what's it? A uh, like a monologue that's very a, a flowery prose version of it that you can get some of it from. Uh huh. Yeah. But it's a lot clearer if you read it from like the Kickstarter. Yeah, I can imagine. But I, I think I did get roughly get that idea still. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Okay. Where do you want to? There's a lot of areas to tackle this from. I think it looks okay. So let's let's start very basic. I think it looks pretty good. Honestly, I, um, I think it animates smoothly. The artwork's consistent. Yes, it's very clear that they wanted to make the action as like legit as possible because you can you can see that they lovingly animated all of the like um, kickback from like the guns and stuff that they shoot. Yeah, there's a lot of attention to detail. There is that. Uh, it, it's very well put together, but it's mm-hmm. poorly directed. I think. Uh, Oh, okay, let's talk about that. Then. And for for me to like make a point out of that in an anime, it has to be pretty bad because decent directing you don't notice, and great directing you don't either because it's good. You know, it's part of making a functional series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just watching the show. I was just thinking the whole time, like, what's up with this camera angle, and why are they doing this like this? Uh, especially like the final fight scene had a, the worst, like the shootout over the stairs. Okay, God, that was bad. Because it was literally just soldiers at the bottom, there's a character at the top, they keep shooting at each other, none of them are even, like, taking cover or doing anything, like, with any sense of proper tactics, it was just too- She is taking cover behind that pillar. Not really. She Not properly. It's It was- not, No, not as much as she could. Yeah. But she's also got, like, some kind of weird psychic power. Whatever. Yeah, and that went on for a long time. Like, I want to say a good five minutes, and the dynamic of the fight didn't change at all in those five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was rough. Because it's also setting up the um, the kind of sweeper character to come in. Yeah. Uh, Athena, the, the blonde one. Right, yeah. And I think it's really weird how much of a... How much of an importance they put on her character. Mm-hmm. Because she does not show up until, like, the the back... Not even back half, like, maybe back fourth of the sh- of the pilot. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure I would call it the back fourth. Like, the episode's basically over by the time she enters... Yeah, it's it it is surprising because they all of the preview footage and stuff is all her. Like all the focus and attention was put on her, especially for like oh, the right, advertising yeah, materials. Yeah. That's true. And she is, I think, the most So this is this has been said like inspired by like the sci fi series like Ghost in the Shell and Akira, and she is the most ghost in the shell of all the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Like, she is definitely the one to sell the series, and I bet if they had 26 episodes, she would be the mainer focus. Yeah. That was... But she is extremely not the focus here, and it's weird. It is super weird. That was one of the, like, my bigger problems with the show, and this is more of, like, a meta complaint than a story complaint, which normally I wouldn't make, but this is a crowd-funded thing, so I think it does need to be made. They sold this under false premises, I think, and that's really bad. They, yeah, I, they sold something else that they then they ended up making. Because it does note in like they do note in their Kickstarter details. This is not the main character. This other girl is for the pilot, and like, but they're still if they're going to plaster this character on every single piece of promo material. Yeah, they need to rethink that. She's like a super cool motorcycle that they don't show off. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um. That is part of it, but I think mostly it was just tonally so different from the, like, uh, the things that they showed in the Kickstarter video. 
Because it, it gave a lot more, like, a vigilante kind of, not justice, but, like, vigilante sort of, like, on the streets fighting. It felt way more like Blade Runner, and what we got felt way more like High School of the Dead. Ghost in the Shell fanfic. Yeah. Like, that. that's the that's the main thing about it, is that, you know, it's... It, it just felt really dime a dozen, like the story that we ended up getting. Like, it's high school girls that do gun stuff and have superpowers. Like, come on. And who knows if the end result is because of all the, like, production troubles they had. Like, they they just lost a chunk of staff and stuff, like, right, halfway yeah. through whatever they were doing originally. They rebooted it, so maybe this is kind of what they could salvage out of that. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad if that's the case, because it's like... I kind of want to see what they wanted to do, you know? Yeah. I think as a pilot, this, like, ignoring anything else, if you went into this knowing nothing, as a pilot, it does give you kind of everything that the show is going for. Yeah. Okay. It's it's very, it's very violent. It is. But not, I think, in like like a, like a Kill Bill sort of excessive way. No, it's, yeah. Yeah. It tries, it tries to be kind of real, even though it sometimes takes place with magic powers. Yeah. Um, it's got, I think, a lot of elements there that aren't bad. And, like, it gives you kind of a, a, you're, you're thrown into a mission kind of, like, in media res. So, like, you kind of figure things out as you go, and at the end it ex- it's explained. Which I think is not bad. Again, I think as a pilot, this is not bad. But I think that knowing that this is basically... This is probably going to be a standalone complex for the rest of the time. Is like, thank you. You're welcome. But but uh, I think as a standalone thing, it's like this doesn't really deliver. Yeah, it really doesn't. I'm I'm satisfied with it because I do think there are things to like about it. But it's still like it still could have been more. And who knows how much of that was because of the bungling with the company pulling out and stuff. You know. Yeah. It could have been much worse, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like, it, I don't think it ever comes off as, like, edgy in the way that it handles, like, violence and sort of its kind of weird, serious sci-fi plot. hmm Like, it does come across as really wanting to be, really wanting to ride that line of, say, like, Ghost in the Shell. I think it's impossible to do high school girls with guns and not be edgy unless you play it entirely like, seriously and honestly, uh, which this show doesn't because there's also superpowers involved and all that. So I think it, it was it still kind of had that weird edgy tone that really drives me away, unfortunately. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I don't know. It's like... I I would like to see maybe if they... If they could get more money to, like, build a proper, like, thing out of this, I would want to see what it turns out to be. Because there's clearly a lot of cast that they just didn't show up, like the sniper lady and the one that she hangs out with. Like, there are characters there. I just don't know if maybe this pilot sold it in the way that it should have. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's hard to say because again, this is this is realistically all we're getting out of it. Yeah. I'm in the credits. Yeah. In (laughs) retro, I'm glad I'm not. Like, I I I was kind (laughs) of kicking myself at first for not backing this at the time. But man, I'm already mad about what we got. If I paid money for this, I would have been like furious about the fact that they had just made something completely different from what they sold. And again, it's hard to know why that happened, but yeah. Yeah. Oh well. 
Can't win them I, all, I, I guess. I still, I still want to... I still want to support this, like the the creation of original content through stuff like this. Where it's like, we don't know if we can sell it, but we've got this team of people who are really excited to do it. And you know, one day something, maybe something will like break out of there because you know, like RPG Maker games blew out of there, and it's like that took nothing. And this is like a lot more of that, and I'd like to see one of these things succeed in a way. So go support Mecco Day on Kickstarter. It's still up right now. Yeah, for sure. It's got. I think by the time we put this up, it'll probably still have, like, 20 days left. Yeah. It's been doing pretty good so far. Um, It's, it's been doing about a 1,000 a day, so it'll probably hit its goal if it keeps going at yeah, that pace. Yeah, it's at, like, three-fifths the goal right now. Yeah. Yeah, give it a... Sh- look at it and give it a shot. I think it, I think it looks like it's really cool, and it's one of those things where, because it seems like it's a lot of independence, the sort of, like, under-the-dog problem won't be there, mm-hmm. where, like, oh, a, a group backs out and suddenly they're half the staff. Yeah. But yeah, that's under the dog. Under the dog. And so, we're going to talk about something good. I made sure to put this at the end so we'd talk about something that was good at the very oh, end. Oh, man, you're going to be... Bring us up. You're going to be... Real disappointed? Real disappointed. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was pretty good. I still liked it. Yeah, 91 Days, I think, was it was good. It was good. Absolutely. Um, So, 91 Days, as we talked about before, very Hollywood-esque, very American uh, mafia story. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very much structured like a modern, um, big budget TV show. I think. Oh, it, yeah, totally. Like always, a huge game changing twist at the end of the episode, stuff like that. And and twists that I feel like it's not like you couldn't have totally expected. No, you no. know, you, they're not completely unexpected or like an ass pull. Yeah, it's just like wow, who thought? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, I was thinking about Breaking Bad a lot while watching this show. I think one thing it does really well is it very clearly has the material to go for longer, like two or even maybe even three seasons. But they fit, But they fit. I think, the story they wanted to tell into 12 really well. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think uh, they clearly had enough to do more, but were able to make it satisfying with as much as they had. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say more seasons because I don't know how much that would be, but there's clearly more to that that they couldn't tell. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, just more incidental stories where it builds up the characters more. Okay, yeah. But then I think that would... I don't know what that would have done to the pacing. Like, I already complained about the, the episode with the Mexican dude, which is basically that. I mean, they could have done better stories than that. Because it could have been about, like, I don't know, the alcohol trading part. You know, like, stuff that actually plays into the mafia part. Okay, then, yeah, sure. But, yeah, so, um... So, 91 Days... Where were we when we stopped? Uh, we stopped right as Fango took over the uh, or- Orco Mafia. That's right. So yeah. F- Fango starts his family. Yeah. And so, let's see. What happens after that is they have um, the... What was the family that the um, that Nero's family uh, married into? Uh, the Galassians. Yeah, so the the Glacias, they have an episode where um, they find a way to dismantle their family yeah, and ba- cause them to kill each other. Basically, we have the the overarching plot of uh, Avilio wanting to t- avenge his father by uh, taking down the Venetti fa- family. Uh-huh. But then the, the story itself is sort of split into two main arcs. We have disassembling the Orco family, which is actually most of the show if you think about it, because uh-huh. first they kill... Because Fongo is, is technically still part of the Orco family. Yeah, and then first they kill Don Orco, and then they kill Fongo, and then the Orco family finally disappears. Spoilers, by the way. Right. So let's get to episode seven is the Galassias 
want to kill Nero. Yeah. His new his new brothers want to kill him in order to take over this family because again, the mafia stuff spreading spreading their influence think, taking I over. I don't think we can I don't think we can recap the story at that kind of pace. That would take too long. No, I, I won't. But this, okay. but what ends up happening is sort of using their like their sort of um kind of paranoia. Mm-hmm. They they they're able to get sort of the glacias to like turn on each other and kill each other. That's not really what it's about. Like, because they make they they, they they make the decision pretty early on that the Galassias are can't be messed with because they're too big of a deal. Maybe I'm getting it mistaken. Yeah, they take because the, I know Nero kills one of them. Yes, but they. I thought they got the Galassias to turn on one of the other ones. The reason they but. kill that guy is to um is to frame Flate. So that, that's right. Yeah, so that he can die. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Then we have episode eight where uh, Fongo dies. Thank goodness. Yeah, he's kind of sick of him. He, he's way too, I think, comically villainous in a in a much more grounded story. Oh, I don't know uh, the, the 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 Cartman the plot twist that they were eating the boss that was that was really cheesy. But yeah. other than that, I think he he fit perfectly fine because there are people okay. like that who are just like a little off the rocker who get uh, sure. you know, who who get into big boots and do really messed up stuff. And then we have kind of the final big arc, yeah, which is his, uh, which is Avilio's final like attack on the Venetis, his final gambit, right? And boy, howdy, is it a gambit that goes horribly, horribly wrong? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it was a little disappointing in the end. Um, not not from a quality perspective, but just I, it didn't really go the way I was hoping it would. So he, so um, the idea is kind of kill. Uh, Avilio's going to kind of kill his way up. The, the the ladder, as it were. Yeah. Because he figures out who wrote the letter. Mm-hmm. And it's someone from the Galassias. No. That was Chorps, there. come on, man. Okay. No. Sorry, I can't get any of these names. <laughs> no, to- it's all right. I am so bad at these names. The person that wrote the letter is the right-hand man of the Don of the Venetti family, of Vincent. Okay. And yeah. he wants them to die so he can take over, Yes, right? because he's he's the next in line after Vincent and Nero are dead. Vincent right. being the leader, the doll so of the, the family. So the direct line. Yes. And of course, and Flate, of course, but Flate gets killed before that. Right. And so, was he in the initial, like, murder of no, the, uh, he was of he, he was there, but he, had, that's, he admits that at one point, but he had nothing to do with it. He didn't kill anyone. Right, I just want to make sure he was the one that was there, the fourth person that he doesn't say in the letter. Yes. Okay, that's what I wanted to make sure. Okay. So he writes this letter like, hey, I want you to kill everyone else. I I didn't do anything, but these guys did, and mm-hmm. you should kill them, so I get to be the leader. Yes. And so that he he starts his big, like, his gambit, as it were, to continue to be become Nero's right-hand man. That's kind of been the big thing, is he wants to get really close to Nero so that he can make this kind of final attack. Yeah. And Nero's current um, right-hand man, Barbaro, hates that. Just absolutely hates Avilio. Mm-hmm. And hates that Nero is, like, getting into this dude who's not even part of the family. Yeah. And so he's he's constantly looking for Avilio to screw up so he can be like, see, you can't trust this guy, let's kill him, and I'm gonna be your best friend again. And in the middle of all this, Cordio is um, is kind of realizing that he's in way over his head and he never wanted to do any of this. So he's kind of breaking away from Avilio. Yeah. Or trying to. And he um, 
he turns for Fongo before he dies to give info. And he's the one who kills Fongo. We should have brought that up. Yes. Well, I mean, like, I, I, I didn't want to do a big story recap because spoilers yeah, and sorry. all that. It's okay. Well, I mean, we're going to tell spoilers anyways. Yeah, but I figured we could do like a part. I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's all right. We're already this deep in now. Might as well go all the way. Because the, the thing is that Cordio ends up running away because he's betrayed the Venetis and he also killed Fongo. So yeah. no, no one's going to like him. No. And he runs away and Avilio helps him run away. But Cordio comes back in order to save Avilio from the suspicion of him being a dissenter. And then Avilio kills him. And then Avilio has to kill him, which I think that was a really good episode end. Oh, uh, it was okay. I mean, for the for the story that was going, like the the idea that you know revenge, in the idea that revenge is never worth it is not one that is like unique. Mm -hmm. But I think it does well of like showing the depths of like, oh, this is what you're gonna have to do if you're really dedicated to keeping up this ruse just to kill these people. Yeah. I'll get into why I didn't like him more later, but okay. we should probably finish then we get the, to the end. Uh, then we get to the end where they're in the opera house, and there is this incredible gambit that Avilio sets up that makes all the all the families turn against each other and start killing each other. And it makes no sense. Yeah, that, that was really goofy. It is a total justice plan, death note, like, nonsense roulette gambit. It's a little, it's a little much. Yeah. Oh, well. And then at the end, it's sort of like a... The, the families are in ruins, mm -hmm. and Nero captures Avilio, and they have one last uh, disgruntled road trip before Nero kills Avilio. Yes. I do think it does, besides maybe some of the goofier, like, oh, this is all going according to plan sort of things, I think it does give off that sort of, like, American TV vibe very well. Yeah, to be fair, we don't know if it was planned. We never find out if that was his plan or if he had to improvise. There were definitely parts of it that very that seemed very much like, yeah, I'm going to get these, uh, these... He was going to kill everyone, and he just found a new way to do it. Yeah, that's true. That, For sure. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So it, it is goofy in its execution, but I think it was more of like a, well, I've got a new way to do it, because I don't think he was ever supposed to get caught. I don't think so either, but we never get a look into his mind, so we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get caught and then beat the shit out of him, and then someone's going to kill the guy for me so I can yeah. escape. It's great. This is my grand plan. What a mastermind. Oh. See, Cordio would have done better. He would have come up with better ideas. Yeah. Rip. Yeah, so, um... I don't know, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It, it tells a story in a way that is not traditionally anime, I feel. Mm -hmm. And even though, like, it, it, was, it kind of had some production issues, like, especially before they did the recap episode. Yeah. It, it started I think that rough. it recovered pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little rough the whole way through. Like it it, ne it it almost never looked entirely clean, but it was good enough for the most part, I think. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, so what? Let's talk about some of your complaints. Oh, well, I've got a lot. So here we go. It's time to tear this anime apart. Um, <laughs> my biggest problem is that uh, the story really just started not getting told as well in the second half as it did in the first. I think because uh, the stakes just get so high. Oh well, it doesn't even have to do with that. Um, I think the, I think the first half does a really good job of setting everything up in time and then letting it resolve in a really loose and like natural feeling way. Okay. Uh, and that's smart and that takes a lot of planning and it's difficult. 
And I have to wonder if, because this is an original production, if they um, had to write parts of it on the fly, like if the script wasn't done all the way when it, they started. Mm. Because that immaculate planning, I definitely wasn't feeling it in the second half, because you get a lot of things being introduced only right as they become important. Like, Flate basically doesn't become an actual character until he starts to matter. The Galassians are barely even mentioned before they become a plot point. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they do a much better uh, job of that in the first half. Um, and then you get stuff like Cortio suddenly getting uh, a lot of character focus right in the same episode where at the end he kills Fongo, which is just a dead giveaway of something's going to happen with him. Either he's going to die or he's going to kill someone. And that that kind of detracted from it in a way that the first half just managed to avoid completely. Like when, um, uh, when Avilio kills... Uh, Vince, not Vincent. Um, when he kills Vano, it's it's completely out of left field and it's great. And the series never reaches that oh, yeah, height again. Two, yeah. yeah, and it never qu- gets quite like that again, which is a shame. It does still manage to uh, like, uh, uh, like play with expectations a little. Like the the final mm-hmm. gambit is really good, and the final episode is completely different from what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, I, I was surprised that sort of, like, episode 11 kind of ended the conflict, and episode 12 was sort of the, like... The aftermath? Yeah, it was... It, I didn't expect there to be an aftermath that got a full episode. Me neither. Sure. Um, what I thought was going to be clever is, in the intro, you can see the final... Con- or a final conflict between Nero and Avilio, and Cordio is there, and I thought, okay... They were going to play into my expectation of Cordio surviving all the way to the end by doing that. But then it turned mm-hmm. out that the final conflict looked nothing like that. So, yeah, uh, it wasn't as smart as I thought it was going to be. Oh, well. <laughs> I misdirection. Yeah. But I do like the way it ends up going that uh, it, it ends up with uh, Avilio not killing Vincent, but uh, ki- killing the, um, uh, the, the Dawn of the Galassians and then, like, forcing a war between the Galassians and the Venetis that the Venetis can never win because they're a way smaller family. Yeah, he based, he doesn't kill, I think he talks about this, he doesn't kill Nero because now Nero has to deal with the aftermath of what's happened, and that's kind of worse. Yeah, he wants Nero to suffer. Yeah, and so Nero's totally suffering. Yeah, and he succeeds. He does. I think that, I think that was pretty, Maybe not clever is not the right word, but I thought that was a good way to do it. Of like, he doesn't technically get everything he wants, but he's kind of set up this thing that's maybe even worse. Yeah, totally. Especially since um, Nero is the one that shoots at Avelio when he's running away at the very beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. And he misses. At one point, they played back that scene, and I thought they were going to be like, oh, it turns out that he missed on purpose, or they were going to do something like that. But they didn't do that, and I think that's actually good. He just good. hesitates too long. Yeah. But we already knew that. I thought they were going to, like, reveal... Or he has days too long and he's, like, really bad at aiming at that time. Yeah. But I thought they were going to reveal a new aspect that was going to show Nero in a more positive light, which would have been really cheesy, and they didn't do that, and that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Um, On my notes, I have uh, Seizure Chili, because there's a part where, I think it's an episode... I have it under episode 9, there's a part where uh, uh, Cortio... And Avilio uh, are hanging out in in Avilio's house, and he's cooking chili, and mm-hmm. they just show two different frames of the chili vibrating back and forth for like a good five seconds, and that was really mm-hmm. weird. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. 
you know what was really cool, I think? What? Was the the scene where um, Avilio comes back to his apartment uh, right before the big opera house scene. Mm-hmm. And he starts seeing, like, visions of Cordio's ghost still living with him. That was all right. Like, the idea yeah. that the whole thing is still haunting him, kind of. That was neat. I was almost afraid that he had taken the dead body and, like, stuffed <laughs> it in his house. And it's like, when it disappears, like, oh, thank God. No. Not, like, oh, he didn't turn into, like, a real... He didn't, like, do that, like, very bad storytelling thing of, like, going crazy or whatever. Yeah, he didn't... No. Uh, you know what I really liked? And this is going to sound really silly, but I'm entirely sincere... Uh, mm-hmm. There's a part at one point where the um, I don't remember who it was, but someone performs cunnilingus off screen. And like, how often do you see that? Someone performs cunnilingus on their wife. That's, that's <laughs> nice. That's cur- courteous of him. I am being completely <laughs> serious right now. You're laughing, oh, but it's I'm, I'm laughing because that's a thing you point out. Yeah, but no, it's nice that you know in the mafia there are generous lovers. I just yeah, I just took note of that. It's just. I don't know. That's something that more juvenile writers and animators perhaps wouldn't have portrayed it. Wouldn't have portrayed it that way, yeah. So that was good. <laughs> they've been like, hey, 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 all right, but no, they're yeah. like, oh, you know, this is just a thing that people do. This is just a thing that ones. people do. Just like it is. Um, one thing that, one element that I really wish they would have taken more time to maybe play into is uh, the friendship between Cordio and, Cordio and Nero's driver. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Because they, they clearly have a history, or are brothers, maybe? No, they don't have a history, but they have, uh, they have a heart-to-heart in one of the episodes. Mm, and okay. based on that, we know that they have a heart-to-heart more often, because they just drive together. And at one point- Oh, yeah, because he, they, they just meet because that guy's working in the, um, the bar at the start. Yeah. In the episode one, okay. And then at one point, they have this moment where the driver's like, just run away with me, and we'll, we'll start, like, setting up our own booze business together. And Cordio doesn't want to because he is loyal to Avilio. And then in the mm-hmm. final episode, when all is said and done, like the driver snaps at Avilio at one point, and he's like, "It should have been you, not him." And that moment lasts for like twenty seconds. And I wish they would have done something with that. Mm-hmm. And what was his name? Del Toro. I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, Del Toro. Man, Del Toro is that guy who is like, uh, it, when they're in the opera house, he gets stabbed by two dudes, and he doesn't give a fuck, and he just kills them both. Like, oh, he yeah, snaps that, one dude's that neck. Badass. That was badass. Oh, it's, um, Soroto? Something like that. That could be. But, yeah, okay, so Del, Yeah, Del Toro was badass. That was cool. Um, uh, but, you know, it was good. I still liked it. Why is the ending just a CGI hand holding a gun and shooting? Yeah, that's that was weird. No, I mean, like in the glass that from the perceived gunshot, there's like the scenes of the characters, but it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so distinct and like bad. Yeah. Like I think that song works as an ending because it's very somber. Oh yeah, yeah. But like that that ending animation is just mm. mm-hmm. the opening. I think is the song's not great, but I think what it's the way it's doing it is again a very like. American TV thing of like just clip show of all the cool stuff that happens with like guns and shooting and see I don't agree I think the opening is great the song yeah the song and the visuals I think it's all I think it's a great no I think that okay see I, I'm saying the visuals are good I don't, I was not super into the song I think it does I think it fits the the series really well but it's not like I don't know I wouldn't be listening to it on its own I way dig it just like okay. the whole thing yeah ninety one days was good and uh, surprise. What? Oh yeah, totally. I'm glad. Uh, Zex. Yeah. Well, no, it's uh, Shuka is the studio. Oh Shuka. All right. I'm glad Shuka got the chance to do something original and that they did a 
good job with it. Yeah. I'll probably get it on Blu-ray at some point. Yeah, plus uh, Funimation's dubbing it. Oh. Well, I mean, the thing is, if there was going to be one thing in English, I feel like this oh, is one of the ones that's more appropriate. Yeah, I guess so. As long as they pick a good cast. Yeah. I hope they don't JoJo's parts two, part two it. Uh, man, I, I would really hope that they're not, like, gonna put on goofy accents. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's gonna have a really terrible uh, Italian accent. Get Johnny Young Bosch to do it. Didn't he play Jonathan? Did he? Oh, that's I think em- he played Jonathan and he was doing the terrible accent. Oh, that's embarrassing for him. <laughs> Oi, governor. <laughs> um, and he's <laughs> I hope Funimation realizes that it's Flate and not Frate, because Crunchyroll didn't. Frate is not a real name. <laughs> and I think that's that's one of those things that just shows, depending on where you look, it's different. Oh, yeah. yeah, I thought it, I, I I enjoyed my time with it. I was I was surprised at how consistent it was. Yeah, me too. I had no problem working my way through it. The good times. I love the hand drawn waves at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was for sure. That good. was super nice. Then just a long panning shot as the as the song plays over. Yeah. And credits. It's, it's a nice way to just end it that is, you know, the kind of is just different in tone because it's just sort of like the waves wash away and sort of nothing nothing there has to change, you know, even though there's hell going on mm-hmm. otherwise. I still don't know where this is supposed to take place. It's close to Chicago. Uh, yeah, it's Lawless, which is, I guess, a, I don't know if it's real, but they play it off like it's a, a fictional island off of off chicago i don't think they have to take a boat to maybe but still yeah it's 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 still a neat like east coast sort of setting yeah well that's all the anime right we're not missing anything uh yeah i guess yeah fantastic because I, I wasn't sure if, like, anyone picked anything up. I didn't, for sure. I did not. I'm so confused because we're we're doing this after the first week of the new season. Yeah, I was kind of racking my brain. And so my, uh, I'm kind of, like, misfiring on, like, oh, what was, you know, mm-hmm. what have I been watching? What were my thinking is, is, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that was the season, I think. I think with the ones we stuck with, it they all turned out good, if not better. Like, uh, all the ones we made to the end. Yeah. It was not a bad season, for sure. It was not a bad season. It was definitely one of the lesser ones of the season. At least once so we started cleaning out, I think we ended up with some shows that were really good. We got There were some good shows still, thankfully, yeah. Yeah. Next season's looking better, I think. But I think I say that every season. This, this first... Well, we, we have a different tone on this because we've already watched a lot of the first episodes. But I think there are a lot of first episodes from this new season that look pretty good absolutely and like set set up a really good uh look at things to come yeah we won't talk about that much not yet we're just letting you know and before we go we have a fan mail oh nice from our favorite friend here qb thank you qb um so the the question is as follows uh, you were able to dodge it this season but how do you feel about the netflix style full season releases for anime like real life on Crunchyroll, or you know, like um, uh, Kuro Mukuro and the future season of Little Witch Academia on Netflix. And how would you adjust the podcast if that schedule were to become more popular? Okay, well, that's two questions. And they're kind of the same question. No, do you think? I guess not, because it's how do you feel about it, and then how are we going to be yeah. affected by it? Um, how we how I feel about that. I'm very in two minds about it, because uh, on one hand, 
I feel like really well for one it, it, it only makes me feel more inclined to go pirate stuff which I'd really rather not do mm -hmm. uh, but if I know there's stuff out there and it's not being made available to me that kind of sucks um, and also I, I like watching shows week to week but then on the other hand I think I get a lot more out of shows if I watch them in one go. Like, I have trouble keeping up with all the stuff that happened in 91 Days and Orange and, like, trying to keep it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I think I definitely... There's something about... It, for certain shows, the anticipation of week to week, I think, is really nice. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with stories that end with such big things like 91 Days. Sure, it makes it harder to kind of differentiate some of the characters sometimes and what the uh, everything that's going on. But that, like, that last minute, boom, you know, here's something new. Gives you something exciting, you know, something to look forward to each week. Yeah. And even shows that aren't like that, it's like, that are just really good. It's like, every week you get a bit of it. I have a lot of trouble binge-watching shows. Like, I get, I kind of get tired binge watching shows yeah i mean I, I would never binge watch but i do like watching things in chunks at okay. a pace i set yeah i i think week to week gives me a predefined like general thing to you know set for you know uh make uh make a schedule for yeah it's like oh every week it's like oh you know within a couple of days i expect to watch this thing this is when it comes out i can expect this you know it gives me something to kind of look forward to and kind of set up. And I think when I watch something on my own, I I am want to, like, take longer breaks in between episodes anyways. Yeah. Unless it really grabs me in some way. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it does have to grab me. If it, I could never, like, binge watch something that I'm not having a good time with. Like, let's say I was, like, watching Real Life. Like, I feel like I would still watch it with, like, breaks in between for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, even watching things on my backlog, like, when I get to it, it's, like, three, three, four episodes at a time, maybe. Like, I can't do full, full series except for, like, TQ, but that's because <laughs> an entire season of TQ is the length of one episode. Still makes me tired. It still feels like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, still, still makes me feel tired because it's just constant, like, um, constant visual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stimuli. Yeah, constant stimuli. And so, it, but it's still, like, one of those things, like, it's very much like I'm, I'm trying to, like, make sure that I don't spend too much time just stuck in an anime because I suddenly lose track of time. Yeah. I, I find it much easier to do with video games, honestly. Maybe because I'm, um, like, you know, actually in, involved in it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely find it easier to watch um, shows in English... Uh, like just one episode after another just cause I if I need to I can occasionally tab out and check something and not miss anything anime you gotta be yeah. on that all the time yeah that's definitely one of those things that I appreciate like good dubs for is like it gives you a chance to be able to watch something but not always be paying 100% attention to yeah cause you don't have to be reading all the time yeah watching anime is exhausting man it's like a job we should be getting paid yeah <laughs> well you can donate that <laughs> <laughs> no, but um yeah, so that's how I feel about it. I don't I don't dislike it. I think it's unfortunate with real life, all of it came out at once. So from the beginning you could watch it. Yeah. The issue with things on Netflix is, is always at the end of the season, suddenly those things are available. And that makes it a little harder, especially to cover. Yeah. If, um uh, now I'll... how would you now okay, sorry. Like yeah, going in, going into the second uh, question. 
if the entire thing just being made available at the end of the season became the norm for stateside or Western distribution of anime, I don't think I could do this podcast anymore because that would really frustrate me. I Yeah, I I don't think this is the sort of thing that would become more popular anyways just due to sort of the rigors of animation production. Yeah, the, yeah, and it just play, it plays into Netflix's distribution model a lot better than that of Crunchyroll. Yeah, Netflix I don't think likes to do a lot of singular episodes of things at a time. No, they don't do that. Like they just released like Luke Cage and that was a whole season of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that's been that way for all of their like original series stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Um to adjust so let's let's just we're probably going to watch Little Witch Academia this yes. future season. If we're worrying about adjusting the schedule, I think the the most likely thing if we're if we're sticking to the the most legal of venues is we delay the review episode until we've had the chance to watch it all. That makes sense. But uh depending on if there are other avenues of watching it maybe we'll just, you know, We'll support it in the way that we can. We'll buy, you know, what we can, but... I'm definitely going to buy Little Witch Academia on Blu-ray, but... Yeah, like, totally. Like, we'd support it on our own, but, like, watching fan subs at that point is, like, keeping up with it week to week is just what we do. Yeah. So if there were another avenue, we'd probably watch it that way, but it's like... I, you know, we're, we're, we're throwing our money around. We have accounts on all these different things. Like, it's not that we're not paying... For it, we're just getting it in a different way, I think. Yeah. Because, like, if we watch something that we have on Crunchyroll, like, through fan subs, I don't think that that's, like, ultimately taking any way thinking away from Crunchyroll, because I'm still paying for the Crunchyroll subscription. Uh, well, you do uh, you do take away from their metrics, so it's like they don't get to know what is and isn't popular and what they should invest in in the future. Yeah, and so if that were a bigger thing, I guess that's an issue. That's why I try always to watch it through, you know, the the places that we have. Right, yeah. Yeah, I would have a lot of trouble, like, if we were trying to keep up the same schedule as soon as the season's over, we try to do the reviews, that is going to kill me. It's still going to kill me, because I usually, like, at some point, I, I just... I just fall out. I, I just fall out, and I have to catch up on all my anime, and if I have to catch up on a whole show... Seasons, season of stuff, a whole show's season's worth, then that is going to just increase that load even further, and that's going to suck. So either, So either we delay the show... Or what we do is we would save it for the season after, even though that's technically not correct. Yeah. Just because of how that releases. Like, if it's going to release after everything else is done and basically into the new season, we might treat it just like that. We might as well, man. That's going to be weird for anime of the year stuff. Yeah, that's that's definitely going to be weird, but we'll figure it out. But that's I think that's basically how it's going to go is we'd, pro- we'd either delay the show or we'd wait for the... Um, we'd wait for the next season to talk about it. Yeah. Because, yeah, watching, you know, up to 13 episodes of a thing in one big week-long thing is going to be, ugh. It would be hard. I mean, I would do it for Little Witch Academia, but not for, like, real life. Yeah, but like, it, just like any other show like that, it's like, it would be tough. Yeah. Even Little Witch Academia, like, for me, it's going to be like, oh, I, can uh, imagine. I have a week to watch all of that. It's just, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they announced the Little Witch Academia is going to be, like, 26 episodes. They're going to do it in 13-episode chunks, which makes it a little easier. Yeah. Because we can do the 13 episodes, review it on the next one, then the next 13 on the next ones. Like, that's not as bad. If they start releasing, like, you know, 26 episode, 52 ones, drop it once, I'm not... No. <laughs> I'm not even bothering at that point, my dude. No, I'm just going to die. But yeah, so that's that's our prospects. Yeah. 
it is weird that that happened with real life for sure. Uh, Netflix, that's just how it, that's how that thing handles. Right, yeah. Because I think they also want to just have all the subtitles done at once and drop it. Mm hmm. Instead of having to keep up with the weekly releases like Amazon's doing now and stuff. So is Netflix going to be the sole distributor of Little Witch Academia? Like, what, is it going to be on TV in Japan or? Um, I think so. I think Netflix just has the rights for the streaming. I don't know if they've announced that as much. Okay. Um, I thought that maybe they had partially financed it too. That's the idea I'd gotten, but I guess not. Uh, um, it, it just says that Netflix has the, has licensed the television anime series. Okay. So I assume that they're going to be doing their own thing for home release and stuff like through trigger or whatever else. Or yeah. yeah. They'll figure something out. But Netflix has the definitely has the rights for distribution online. I wonder if it's going to come to my national Netflix or not. Yeah, they didn't announce that either. I assume it has to go to at least Japanese Netflix. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, um, Japanese Netflix released. Uh, apparently, there's a a like filler picture for um, Hyoka, so we might be seeing Hyoka make it to English Netflix. Oh yeah, I heard about that. One problem with that though is that they've apparently translated Hyoka. To Frozen Dessert, so that's the name of the series now. <laughs> Close enough. Isn't this supposed to be like ice cream or something? Yeah. I thought that play. It's people say that like that plays into the plot more. It it does. So yes. it would be better to leave it as Hyoka. But either way, that's um, that that might be happening. Yeah. Well, Hyoka's good. I'm so about nice. the name. But yeah. Yeah, I hear Hyoka's good. It's super good. I hear that's one of those good Kion it, or uh, Kyoani. It things. is. Yeah. Oh, you heard that from me. So. And I think I've heard it from other people. Oh, okay. Too. Well, then it's, yeah. Okay. That's I've been meaning to watch it at some point. It was just, it kind of sucks that there's no, like, easy way to do it legally. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, anyways, I've had a fantastic time recording this you. I hope we do it again real, real soon, like six weeks from now. Uh, roughly that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think that's a good point to end it on. Well, I mean, there, there's no, we have no points left. That's it. You're right. So it would have to be, and I'm glad it is. So the point is that I have been Jorpsoy. And I've been Jordan. And this has been Coco Disaster. As always, you can follow us at... We haven't changed the Twitter name yet. Wait, can we do that really easy? Oh uh, yeah, you can do it really easy. Okay, let's let's do that before this <laughs> episode goes out. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you can follow us at Coco underscore Disaster at Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can find our website at CocoDisaster.com. Brand new. And you can always, yeah, it's a brand new site. Look at it, it's pretty snazzy. And you can always contact us through either the Twitter, which we uh, look at frequently, or we will, uh, you can send us an email at tropeswaysa at gmail.com. That's C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A -S -S at gmail.com. Do it. Yeah, send, send us an email. We love answering questions. Makes us really think after spending three hours talking and thinking. Yeah. Ah. Good night, folks. Good night.